day in the shop because Emma wasn't there, so I got to be the only boss. Uh-huh. In fact, I was the only person for most of the day. It's, oh, a, it's a busy, busy day. Lots going on. Um, one of our misfits, uh, Michael McCarthy, congratulations. He got married today. And Congratulations, Mike. Yeah, so Emma is there, and then we've got other things going on. We'll get to that, but um, I still, I got, and I got stuff, I got stuff done, which we'll talk about too. But let's get to who is with us. So, of course, it's everyone's favorite, Ginger. It's Bagel. Greetings from Benita. <laughs> Greetings, Bagel. Yeah, and then joining us, our stunt misfit of the day. It's Callum. Smelling lightly of burnt skin, enjoying this sunny Santa Cruz afternoon. <laughs> Do we even want to know why you smell like burnt skin? Oh, because I'm incredibly white. Oh, yes. Okay, yes. <laughs> no, it, it's my own skin that was burning, just to be clear. It's it's not like I was having a barbecue. No, this is still a good day. We had some fun. Um, hey, Bagel, you know, um, Moyne was here this weekend. Yes. So and I'm sorry that I wasn't able to get down there to, to hang out. Yeah, he was asking about you, and uh, I took him down to Laguna Seca. We went to the races. That's where a lot of people nice. are also uh, out to today. It's the Moto America. King of the Bagger was racing as well. Wow. It was. It's pretty <laughs> cool. I have to say, now I kind of get it. I thought it was like a shtick. It, it's kind of a shtick until you uh-huh. like, I got up, re- I got, I went over to the paddock and just was really getting all up in those bikes and checking them out and seeing how different each one is, each setup, how customized it is to so the racer, the pegs, the seats, everything. And I mean, the, the skill it takes to move that bike at the speeds they're doing it. Yeah, that is very no impressive. Doubt. Yeah, and of course, I know that there's going to be like a lot of Dyna bros who are like, yo, there, I got a race bike. I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. This is a real race bike. Um, but had a good time there. Uh, there were some just good races. And again, uh, every year it kind of gets a little bit smaller, a little bit smaller. I think just big motorcycle events have a hard time here. And, you know, at Laguna's sake, it's harder. But, um, there was enough stuff going on there and enough people to see. Um, mean Megan was there and, uh, yeah, ran into a bunch of people. Good times. Um, and Moyne had so much fun. Excellent. So, so much fun. And then afterwards we went over to the Vetter ranch for, uh, a little barbecue, which is really cool. And, uh, Mike Corbin was there and a bunch of other just motorcycle people. And what was really cool is seeing Moyne finally got his chance, sat down with Craig Vetter and kind of oh, wow. swapping stories nice. was cool, you know? And I was like, Hey Craig, you know, Moyne just built his own racetrack. He's got a road racing track and a motocross track. And, and Craig's like, yeah, I did that behind my factory in Ohio. I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> of course you did. Of course you did. Yeah, so that was really cool. Um, and then uh, next weekend, so much going on. A bunch of people are going to be going up to the, um, the it's not Cycle World Show now, it's Progressive Motorcycle Show, IMS. I'm just going to nod and... I think it's the IMS, that's what it's called now, right? Uh, Up at Sonoma. And Bagel, I don't know if you heard how they're handling that here. Um, Kind of still in the tail of COVID. How is that? 
It's at Sonoma Raceway, so it's all out in the open. Ooh. Cool. I'm kind of digging that whole idea. Um, yeah. Because you can have things on tracks going around you and that mm-hmm. racetrack is so good. big and they have multiple tracks there they got go-kart tracks and the big racetrack and the drag track and all that stuff um i wish i could go but it is the arma racing at um, back at laguna seca and they're gonna be bringing back vintage motocross Oh, wow. Which we don't know how or where that's happening at Laguna Seca. At Seca? Yeah. Like in the middle? Like around the pond? The pond was empty. Are they doing it in the pond? I don't know. That'd be pretty cool. Mm. Ducati Island was not an island. (laughs) Ooh. Mm. Um... Yeah, I don't know. And they're going to be doing sidecar racing. Ooh. Yeah. My kind of deadly. And, of course, vintage scene, like old like Harleys and Mutaguzis. And it's just so much fun. So if you're in the area, um, you got two things to choose from. But us misfits, we're going to be at Laguna Seca. Um, oh, and give you an update. Bagel, the KZ400. I'm not going to say it's done. Yeah. But I... I, I fixed the two biggest problems. And thanks to Miss Emma, um, I had it running. You know, I've cleaned the carbs completely. Mm-hmm. And it still kind of bogged a little at high revs. Mm-hmm. And Emma said, new spark plugs. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed that the old spark plugs were a little oily. So I'm thinking because the thing sat so long that some of the oil came up. Okay. Um. And, yeah, I put new ones in, and, dude, it rips. Nice. It rips. That's awesome. But the the, fun, the real fun thing is, for anyone who's ever um, taken the front end off of an old bike, Callum, have you ever done this? Yeah. So uh, you know. Before cages were a thing. So you know, mm-hmm. Bagel, I'm sure you've. Spoilers. Have you ever chased yep. ball bearings, Bagel? Oh, Oh, yes. Magnets mm-hmm. are your best friend. Oh, right. No. Well, if you have a clean <laughs> floor, but... Well, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I thought I had more control over it than I did. Uh, I was working uh, in the tent on the dirt floor. Uh, hey, I only lost two. Not too bad. I okay. only lost two. Um, <laughs> <laughs> who missed those? <laughs> um, oh, hold on. Okay, okay. All right. Oh, there may be an incident in the tent. I'm getting a message. We'll have to check it out afterwards. Oh, no. Oh. Oh, no. Um, so I, I'm like, you know, it just feels kind of uh, not stiff, but just uh, it felt like it was dry bearings. It, You know, that mm-hmm. feeling. So I just I am going to loosen stuff up and just drop it down a little and it's back to the plop. <laughs> yep. There they plop. go. <laughs> there they go. <laughs> I'm like... Fudge. Um, yep. If there had been grease in there, they wouldn't have rolled away. There but was, if there had been grease in there, you wouldn't have had to take it apart. There either, was so. no grease in there. Dry as a bone. Dry as mm. a bone. And yep. uh, collected them all up, cleaned them, cleaned the races, shoved some grease in there. Um, got a whole uh, two-by-four contraption under the wheel so that I could get somebody to lift it. <laughs> when I got all the bearings in the bottom, lift it now. And mm-hmm. uh, so that worked. And then I just went down to the hardware store. They're quarter-inch bearings. They haven't changed. And uh, okay. got a couple new bearings to them in. Tightened it all up. Oh, night and day. Sweet. It's one of those things that whenever somebody buys an old bike, um, 
I say, yeah, you need to you need to tend to that. It's, it's one of yep. the things I think people are afraid to get in there. And if I really wanted to do a good job, then I could have put in good tapered bearings and knocked out the seats and stuff. No. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I, I chase bearings around. <laughs> yeah, I need to do the headset bearings on my 65 Heinkel. They're, uh, uh, they're pretty notchy. And, uh, you know, and I know the trick about putting the uh, cutting a Coke can or a beer can. And do you know this trick, Callum? I am not familiar with this. Yeah, trick. so if you cut the top and bottom off of a can and then cut it up way so you can roll the metal up into a tube, hmm. right? Drop mm-hmm. that down into the headstock. Now it's creating a wall so the oh. bearings don't drop down. Mm. And then yep. you can just pull it out when the neck comes up in. Simple. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah. That sounds like a really good way to do it. But I didn't need to. I used the technique of the janky 2x4 and just giving me enough room to put the bottom ones in and then just get it up. And once, yeah. But I did it. And yep. um, so, Bagel, I, I know you sent me a vintage plate that is the same year as the bike. Yes. I think I'm ready to go down and get it registered. Cool. I think with those two things, it's safe-ish enough to go further than half a block away. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. So thank you for that. I am excited. Um, Bagel, what is going on in your neck of the woods? Well, uh, I'm getting ready for my next big ride. Uh, I'm riding out to Vintage Motorcycle Days, and I'll be leaving uh, a week from Monday. And uh, I am planning to do another Iron Butt on the way out there. Of course you are. Yep. Um, now I've, I've done two, well, I've done two iron butt rides with, for three awards so far. Uh, the first one was a thousand miles in 24 hours mm-hmm. and I did the 36, uh, 1500 miles in 36, 36 hours, yeah. which also included another thousand miles in 24 hours. This time I'm trying to do what I, as far as I can tell, nobody has done before, which is 2000 miles in two days on a scooter. On a scooter. And, yes. Of course it's on a scooter. And, yep. And so, and this is on my Cannonball bike, the Vespa GTS 250. And I'm shooting for, uh, for getting another 1,000 miles the first day, 1,000 miles the second day, as well as a 1,500 miles within the first two days, if all goes well, within 36 hours, and then the 2,000 miles in 48 hours. See, and I'm not going to say why, because I've done the same shenanigans, too. Yeah. But I will say, did you fix all the things that fell off the last time? That's what I'm working on right now. <laughs> <laughs> so technically no, but hopefully yes. They're in, in process. Um, I've got a new rack on the back, so there's that. Um, I've got a new top case on there, and which I need to uh, prepare for the, the spare tank. Um, so, and, uh, Callum, this is the trick. Spare tank on there. So how many miles can you go without stopping, Bagel? Uh, with the spare tank, I can get uh, in excess of 300 miles without stopping. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That uh, it's, it's, makes me yeah, feel fast, Bagel. <laughs> it's, about, it's about six and a quarter gallons that it holds all together. 
And uh, yeah, so that's good for well over 300 miles. Um, it's it's tough to do that in one shot on on a Vespa GTS yeah, 250. Yeah, no, this, this couch just got sore thinking about that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but I, I I'm planning to do uh, 250 mile stretches b- between fuels. Might do uh, you know just a quick stretch you know pee stop in between. You know, uh, well, I was like gonna that. say, are you gonna have the pee hose? No. No, I'm not going to bother with that. Um, I'm going to want to get off the bike, you know, at, at a regular enough interval where, you know, that won't be a problem. Now, here's another thing, Callum, you don't know about Bagel, but it's pretty impressive. When he plans these trips, oh, he plans them. In yep. fact, because he has some sort of some uh, dietary restrictions, hmm. he plots where he's going to be at mealtimes, calls ahead to the restaurant and already has the food ordered and tells them what time to have it ready. Damn. Well, I, I tell them I'll, I'll be, I'm planning to be there around that time, but I will call yeah. from the road to let mm-hmm. them know I'm, I'm on my way. I'll be there in 15 minutes. Uh, usually what I do is I end up <clears throat> stopping for gas, call as soon as I, as soon as I stop and then gas up, get packed up and head back to the head over to the restaurant. By the time I get there, my food is ready. Very nice. And it's, it's a, it's, it's a little bit, takes a little bit of planning and, uh, some, some luck that everything works out as, as, uh, as expected. But, uh, if it, as long as it does, uh, it's a great way to save some time on a, a time critical ride like that. So when you call in for the food, has anyone asked why you needed to call in and what did they say when you explained it to them? Um, well, I, when I, when I call in to make the arrangements in advance, uh, I, I generally explain it to them and let them know what I'm doing and why I'm making such a, an unusual request. But in most cases they're, they're fine with doing it and you know, they're, they're happy to, to help me out. So nice. it's been, it's been good. And the fact that most people are like eating power bars at the gas station, you're like, no, I'm going to go have a sit down meal. Yes. Which <laughs> is, is really, I, I think is really important on these long rides because you need something to break that up, mm-hmm. uh, not just um, in your, you know, your sitting position and your, uh, you know, what you're, what you're, what you're doing at, at the moment, just to kind of get your your head out of, um, you know, out of the zone, kind of break it up, give you a time to to kind of rest for just a little bit before you continue, so that you can go on your go on your way a bit more refreshed. Because fatigue is a real concern on ex- on uh, extended uh, rides like this. So if you can do things to take a quick, you know, a, a reasonably short break in between, have a nice meal, that can that can help keep you going for a lot longer. I, at least that's that's my take on how to do do long distance rides. Oh, I have a I have breaking news, Bagel. Yes. Uh, Stumpy John is on his trip. I just got an update from him. Uh huh. Bike is running great, except for kickstand drama. Mm. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, for, did it break a spring? I'm not sure. So, for those who don't know, uh, Stumpy John is riding my KLR, my, my second KLR, up to South Dakota. And he is kind of backtracking the route that Jim and I took. And I know he posted video of him in Twin Falls, Idaho, at the top of Evil Knievel's jump. Just where uh, nice. Jim and I went, and uh, but the first two days were extremely hot. 
I bet. Uh, The bike has been running good. I'm not sure what kickstand drama means. He told me that he was going to take off my stock uh, kickstand and put on an aftermarket adjustable kickstand. Oh. Because on a lot of these bikes, when you load them down with gear, they sit too low for Uh, the kickstand. So there's an adjustable aftermarket one. He's like, oh, you really like it. It's really cool. So (laughs) I'm curious to know. What the kickstand drama is. We'll f- have to find out uh, next week. Um, but Bagel, he has been reporting it's very hot, and that is something that's hard about these kind of trips. Are you yes. avoiding the hot places because you're up norther now? Is norther a word? Well, um, I think so. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to be avoiding the hot places, unfortunately, because I need to go take a, a fast route. Um, now, I, you know, there, and honestly, even if I take a northern route, it's not going to be cool. Like, even if I go through Montana and North Dakota, it's still going to be awfully hot um, through that, that part of the country this time of the year. It's, it's really just unavoidable. Um, so my, my plan is, is taking a camel back. Um, I will also have a cooling vest with me just in case it gets really, really hot. Um, but I, I typically don't use a cooling vest in, until it's like some gets over like a hundred. Um, but uh, Camelback packed full of ice and then filled with water is a great thing on a hot day. Yeah, I told John the trick that I used was two bandanas and one ice cooler, like one of those mm. little soft ones that you put your lunch in. And every gas right. stop, I would put ice in there and keep a bandana in it. And I would swap mm-hmm. out the bandanas. And I got it so that I could reach back with one hand, open it up, pull the bandana out, put on the cruise control, tie it around my neck, and put the other one in. And just swapping those out, world yeah. of difference. Oh, by the way, it reminds me. Guess what, guys? What's that? I'm intrigued. I saved two lives yesterday. Oh. Did you? I did. Yes, and I have a witness. Were they human lives? <laughs> yes, they were. <laughs> wow. Some may find this distinction not important. Others uh, might care more. Moyen and Charlie were witnesses. Um, at Laguna Seca, we were in the um, the actual like Laguna Seca store. You know, it's just a Little store. It's a store. Portable building. Down, portable uh, building down with paddock. T-shirts and all the things, right? And I was outside waiting for Charlie and Moyne, and I just went in to go, like, oh, it's taking these guys. And somebody said, call 911. We need, we need an ambulance. So not to be the person to be like a looky-loo, but I was in the store looking for them and standing away, and there was... Um, like three people on the ground. One of them was a woman who seemed to have passed out. It looked like heat, heat stroke. Mm. And, uh, two people with her like saying, stay with us, stay with us. We need some help. We need some help. And everyone else was just trying to like give space. Like I was like assuming somebody is going to go in and help. Someone's always going to do it. And they just kept going, where's the ambulance? Where's the ambulance? So I was like, well, it's obviously heat stroke and they had no idea. Somebody gave her water and they're holding in their hand and letting her sip it. So I'm like, uh, I just went over and said, you need to put that on her her neck. And I I had a cold drink in my hand. So I put that on her neck and I just helped like... um, Put it on her, uh, one on the back, one on the front, right? And she was drowsy, and and he's like, she's pregnant. Oh, wow. Two lives. And I just felt bad. They were just some young people who were just in full-on panic, and it was her husband, boyfriend, whatever, who was in full-on panic. Just like, we need need help. And uh, I'm, I'm the type of person who will go in if someone needs help, even though I may not be the most knowledgeable. But it seems simple. Uh, Keep her awake. 
Um, keep cooling her off. Keep having her sip, not gu- not guzzle, sip water. And she started coming around and feeling much better. We got her in a more comfortable position. And then as soon as the um, uh, security and fire showed up, I just got up and walked away and left. Yep. <laughs> like, it's all yours now. My job wow. is done. But um, I felt good to help out um, a lot in calming them. Yeah, that's a big point And. There. It was pretty simple. I mean, I just told her, like, look, your body's doing what it needs to do. If you're overheating, it's just shutting you down. Just focus on your breathing. Take another sip. Keep holding this, you know, cold water here. And uh, it wasn't a big deal. But I I felt good that I stepped forward. No one else did. Yeah, that can be rough. Um, Good. Yeah, I know. Saved two lives. That's my story, and I'm sticking with it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so back to uh, John. So, yeah, he's, uh, I'm not sure. Oh, he's, he's, he's in Wyoming now. So where are you going across, Bagel? Uh, well, what I'm planning on doing is going uh, from uh, all the way across Oregon uh, into Idaho. Um, <gasps> Stop at Twin Falls. Evil Clean Evil's uh, Jump. Well, I can't stop because I'm going to be doing my uh, iron butt starting in the, the western western side of Idaho. I don't think going um, off the jump counts as stopping. <laughs> well, yes, but it might not take me on my course. <laughs> but, no, it's off course. True. Yeah, but I'll, I'll be going down through Idaho into Utah, <clears throat> then uh, from there across Wyoming, uh, Nebraska, Iowa, basically, um, I think I-80. So oh, you're going to drop in just past Bonneville? Uh, well, it'll be around Salt Lake City. Yeah. Uh, like <laughs> that's kind of just that's bottom of You look oh, at me okay. like I know gotcha. that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, you've never been out there? I don't, I don't know anything. Callum, you have so many things. I, I just so skipped, many skipped things. the middle of this country when I went coast to coast. So many things to, to experience. Uh, we love it. Keep hanging with us. We're going to introduce you to so many things. <laughs> um, so you're, when are you leaving on your trip? I'm leaving a week from, from tomorrow, week from Monday. And, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm planning to do the, the first day to Idaho, which is about, um, about, you know, little, about five, 450 miles. I try to get in as early as I can, um, to get a good night's sleep and then, uh, ride the next day, a thousand miles from there to, uh, middle of, uh, Nebraska, uh, stop overnight, uh, get a couple hours sleep, uh, hopefully, at least you know four to six, and then um, take uh, take the road uh, take uh, take the bike out on the road again uh, the next day and do another thousand miles uh, all the way to Ohio. Yeah, so I'll be arriving. <clears throat> if all plan if all goes well according to plan, I'll be there Wednesday evening, uh, or well, probably late Wednesday night I should say, and uh, then I'll have a day to sort of uh, get get my bearings straight and then head to uh, head to uh, Vintage Motorcycle Days on Thursday. Yeah, so we're getting in on Thursday, too, um, and thanks to Phil and the crew at Cleveland Moto. Um, he's going to be picking us up, taking us down there, and we're going to be doing a live podcast on Saturday mid-afternoon, so if you're down there, look for okay. that. Um, and yep, I'll be there. Um, no, I meant to, to our listeners, Bagel. Yes, you will be there. Oh, oh. <laughs> I am dragging you over there. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, then I'm going to be doing the Rev Sisters Film Festival all weekend, playing films in the in the tent. 
Excellent. Yeah, right next to the AMA like Hall of Fame Museum, and this is the tent that they're going to be doing <clears throat> presentations and stuff in. So I'm filling in all the gaps because they didn't book speakers this year because it takes you know a lot of um, advance notice on that, and they really couldn't. They really seem to be throwing this together. But I will tell you, Bagel, that um, you know Stumpy John is coming with us, and mm-hmm. um, I, I, I need you to back me up. Because I told him that he needs to uh, enter into a pit bike race. Okay. (laughs) Like, there is no choice in the matter. This is what everyone does their first time there. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Of course. I mean, that's what you do. Exactly. It's it's a rite of passage. (laughs) Even I know that. Dude, you need to come out next time. We need a new racer. I'm pretty sure we're right? going to break John. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, uh, AMA Vintage Days is so much oh, fun. Oh, it sounds like an absolute blast. It is. I mean, one of the favorite things is the, the barrel racing. <coughs> Excuse me. They have um, right next to the campgrounds. It's just a not a big field, a small field. <coughs> Like a basketball court, or a little bit bigger than a basketball court, but somebody puts two barrels in it, and the entire weekend races never stop. It's it's yeah. everybody. And you know what, Bagel? Somebody posted a picture uh, on Facebook. I saw it was so cool. It was uh, a guy on a GS twelve hundred doing a wheelie with a guy mm-hmm. on a little mini bike racing next to him, and somebody on a Harley uh, on, on him, and they're all like racing. Nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> You get everybody in these races. It's always exciting. And I still love to tell my favorite story, of course, is when Jim got out there on like an XT350 and like, like, well, I'm going to get out there and race. And he got passed by a guy on a Honda Helix scooter with a blow up sex doll behind him. A a a prosthetic yeah. leg and a beer in one hand. You know, I was, uh, was I, like, I was sold yes. at the Helix, and it just got better from there. Oh, it just got better <laughs> from there. And AMA Vintage Days is so much fun, but there's a couple other things that are going on that are I'm really really excited about. Do you guys know that it's the 50th anniversary of On Any Sunday? Yes, I, uh, I do. I may have been informed of. It's kind of, of a this, big yes. deal. I mean. This is the greatest motorcycle movie ever made. Would you agree? Well, I actually, so. Bagel can agree. Callum can't because he hasn't seen it yet. Oh, no. I've been outed. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Who can back us up on that? Todd. Todd Huffman can. Todd, are you there? I'm here. Hey, I'm here. there he is. Hey, Hopping in just like that. Hey, Todd, can you, can you, can you see us? I can see you guys. Hey, good to see you again. Thanks for joining us. I know. I like your little setup of all those models and stuff in the background. Those are cool. Thank you. We got trains on one wall, motorcycles on three walls. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff here. Um, For anyone who um, may remember, Todd was on our show previously because he did the Penton movie, a movie I'm kind of obsessed with that I loved. Um, And, oh, speaking of obsessing, uh, Todd, didn't you say the Pentons are going to be at AMA Vintage Days? They are. John no. Penton will be there. <gasps> so, nice. and Jack and his brother Jeff, and I don't think Brother Tom will be there. He lives pretty far away, but you never know, you know, so. 
the bullpen clan. I'm definitely going to be hanging by your side and tugging on your elbow and say, will you please introduce me? You want some introductions? No problem. I do. I'm so excited. You know, it's uh, funny, uh, Todd, um, we have a, a friend here in a local uh, bike shop, um, Mason George Motorcycle. Shout out, Mason. And he has proudly displayed on the wall of his shop a framed poster of the Pent movie signed by the filmmaker himself. I'm like, you don't say. <laughs> really? Yes, he does. Nice. Well, that'll get you. Uh, and, and and the Pentons. I think he. I think he went to like an event or something. That you got. Do, do you remember signing posters? Yeah, done, we did several events. You know, we did a the big premiere down at the Egyptian Theater in Hollywood, mm-hmm. which was really cool. It was like a highlight of the whole experience. Just about. Um. So we had people there and. You know, with a Kickstarter thing, some people got signed posters if they paid a certain amount to support the film and things like that. So, well, he's got it framed and proudly displayed. Okay, good. So there you go. <clears throat> but right. um, the other thing we're here to talk about: the greatest motorcycle movie made ever, right, Todd? You know, movies and motorcycles. It, can you debate that? Yeah, I don't think anybody would debate it. Anybody. No. In, fa- in fact, I have included it. At one point, um, we created a um, uh, what kind of biker are you kind of like, you know, a rating system with like, have you done this? Have you done that? Have you done an iron bite? Have you done this? And, you know, to, so you can rate yourself how good of a biker. And one of them was, have you seen on any Sunday? Because to me, if you haven't, yes, I'm looking at you, Callum. I'm giving you stink eye right now. <laughs> You're not a real biker yet. Well, you know, I, I find I, I find that encouraging, actually. It's something uh, everyone needs to watch. Correct, and hopefully he he does not watch it on YouTube or on a mm-hmm. crappy VHS or DVD copy. He saves it mm-hmm. to watch it in October on the big screen, and it's all its remastered glory. So yes, it does sound like a much more <laughs> fulfilling experience. Yes, we're yeah, gonna we're gonna yeah. scoop up all. Who haven't watched it yet? Against so, our will. There's a lot. There's a lot. So, Todd, um, tell us. I mean, there's a whole story here. We need to get into it. So, so Todd, you have a production company. You make movies, and you realize that the 50th was coming up, and you got involved with it. You want to explain to us how that happened and how you're involved? Yeah, you know, um, I. Uh, have kind of had used pieces of on any Sunday for various projects over the years from the Carlsbad USGP to the Pent movie to our motocross files. And, you know, we interviewed Bruce Brown in 07 for, uh, the motocross file on John DeSoto. We had Bruce and Dan involved with our show Epic ride with Ricky Johnson in like 08. So I've kind of been swirling around this movie for a long time. And of course, then, you know, myself and Danny, you know, we created on any Sunday, the next chapter. And we ended up, I ended up not really working on it, but I was still credited as an executive producer of it. Um, okay. So, wait, I, I, I just got to ask you, uh, just, we'll get this out of the way. There is on any Sunday, the next chapter and on any Sunday too. One of them is the good one. And one of them is the bad one. Which one was, <laughs> which one did you work on? Uh, the, uh, on any Sunday, the next chapter. Was that the good one? The new one. The new one. Uh, yes, that was the good one. Some, somebody, <laughs> some call it on any Sunday three. So yeah. Um. So yeah. So I've been around the property for a while, and then I don't know. A couple of years ago, I kind of realized that 
hey, 2021 was going to be 50 years and we should, somebody should start to do something. And because we had the relationship with Gather Films already with the Penton movie, I figured we could maybe do the same thing. So I started sniffing around about uh, getting a theatrical licensing rights for the film. And lo and behold, when we, you know, through Dana and then through Bruce Brown films, because that's different than Dana Brown. Mm-hmm. And then the theatrical rights are actually owned by another company in New Jersey, Bayview entertainment. So it just took a while. Right. And, uh, you know, we finally got to the point where everybody was on the phone together and they said, yeah, let's do it. This is what Bruce would want. And perfect for us, you know, Bruce Brown films and those guys were already working on remastering the film to what the glory is it's going to be in October. So we're pretty excited. The timing just came together and these guys all said, Hey, this is what Bruce would have wanted is for a lot of new people to see it on the big screen for the first time. Oh, no doubt. Can I tell you, I have to tell you my story of watching it on the small screen. I don't think I've shared this with you. Um, Years ago, I was doing a moto camping trip with a bunch of people I had not really gotten to know yet, kind of a new group to me. Um, And I had brought my little like six inch DVD player and on any oh. Sunday, because I'm ADD and I'm like, oh, what can I do at night? Like, if, because I don't drink and a lot of people just sit around drinking. So I just brought that. And then so at night, I leaned over one guy I know. I'm like, hey, I got this movie. You want to watch? <clears throat> sure. We sat down at a picnic table by ourselves, watching on a little six inch screen. Next thing I know, more and more people came out. The entire campsite, there's like 18 people behind us, sitting in rows, all watching, which... Yes, it's hard to see on a six inch, but everyone had seen it so many times that everyone knew like the parts to laugh. And then, and I just, that's one of my favorite memories of that movie that just brought everyone together because everyone knows that movie. And it was just the funniest thing to see all these people crowded around watching. So, and when you think about it, you know, unless you're over the age of about 55. Mm hmm. You never probably saw it or remember seeing it on the big screen when it came out, right? So there's a whole generation of people, several, two generations at least, that may have either not seen it at all and and or saw it on a less than ideal uh, format. It's true. And can you explain, you had done this with the Penton movie. You figured out this system that works great for getting movies into the theater. So Gather Films, uh, they do, uh, they kind of do, you know, I guess what they call crowdsourcing mm-hmm. um, to book niche movies into mainstream theaters by utilizing the fan base of the, a particular movie to help drive some ticket sales in each of the local areas, right? And we, when we did it with the Penton movie, obviously we had a, a passionate group of moviegoers that wanted to bring this movie about their hero, John Penton, to town. So we kind of learned how to do it. You know, we had about 100 screenings or so um, of the Penton movie. Um, And shoot, that was uh, six, seven years ago now, right? So, you know, we've learned a lot since then even. And the gather system, it works so simple because everybody, they they contact us and they say, oh, you're going to, how do I, do I have to contact the theater and do I have to rent the theater to do it? And nope, you don't have to do any of that. <laughs> Here in about 
Oh, this week, actually, um, you're going to be able to go to the Gather Film site, and all you have to do is type in your zip code in the, on, the, on any Sunday page, and you're going to be uh, given a selection of theaters in your town that are going to host, could host the movie, right? So, oh, so these are theaters already signed up with Gather. They're already in the Gather uh, site. Okay. So it's all part of a system that they have, right? And it's on how it's movie distributed and everything, and then the marketing materials. So, uh, personally, you know, I just I was on my walk yesterday, and I'm kind of came up with this, you know, this thing of um, select, click, and share because that's really all you have to do. It's really easy. You just you know, click on their website, select the theater in your area and the date you want to do it, and then you'll get a link and you share it with your friends to say, hey. Reserve your tickets to bring on any Sunday to, you know, wherever, Lincoln, Nebraska, you know. All so, right. Let's, let's, give, let's give that how that web address now. We'll, we'll re, re, redo it again. But what? how do people go there to sign up to host this in their town? Well, right now they want to go to on any Sunday 50th. Okay. So that's our splash page and our real website will be up within about a week as well so it's all happening at the same time so but they can reserve they can uh, send us an email that says hey we're interested in hosting a screening they could do that right now okay and um i've got some bad news for you it's coming up as the site can't be reached right now oh i just clicked the uh, link just, did you get I, it i've got it coming up yeah, you know on what any sunday five zero th.com yep I hope so. I just clicked a link that was on the Cycle News website. Well, they've got a bad link then. They may have a bad link. <laughs> they have screwed me. Damn it. Yeah, so I want to make sure people have, have any Sunday, 5-O-T-H. Dot com. Dot com. Yep. And you have to spell it correctly, too, apparently. It that does helps. help. Yeah. It does help. <laughs> All right, so on any Sunday, 50th.com, and you can go up there and sign up to host it. So what does that mean to host it? So basically hosting it, you'll get a, um, you know, all the theaters and the markets are different, but the theaters, all these screenings are going to take place kind of on their off nights, you know, Mondays and Wednesdays and mm -hmm. Tuesdays um, when their capacity is down. So, you know, they're interested in just selling you know, lots of expensive Cokes and popcorn and stuff, so... Um, so there's a minimum amount that the, the theater needs, uh, to book the, book the screening. And usually it's about 70 tickets, right? Which isn't many. Right. Um, so when you sign up, you instantly are going to get a link from gather that says, okay, here is your, your screening link. You have 70 tickets you need to reserve, starts marketing and then yeah. it's up to the, the local, what they're called movie captains. Everybody wants to be a movie captain and it's up to them to uh, go out and share on their Facebook page and Instagram and do email blasts. And, and, and we're going to provide all those, you know, with materials, you know, that they can send out too. So Todd, I want to be a movie captain. You should be a movie captain. I, I think yeah. I already signed up. Yeah, in Santa Cruz. Yeah. So anywhere on that side of the hill, right? I expect to be another movie captain, maybe in San Jose or. Yeah. Or, and, and actually who was like, someone else said they want to do it. I think Emma wants to do it down in Monterey. Yeah. See, perfect. That that's how we want to kind of really spread out the markets. We want to cover all the 
pockets in like mm-hmm. California. I mean, I expect to have 50 screenings just in California just because of the people we know. You guys know mm-hmm. Steve Mm-mm. He runs the flat track racing up at Santa Rosa. Oh, yeah. Anyhow, he's going to have two screenings. He's going to do one in Santa Rosa and then one down in like, I don't know, Concord or Pleasant Hill or somewhere mm-hmm. where Brad Lackey lives. So he's, he's going to do two screenings, right? It's two completely different markets, you know. That's awesome. Well, I mean, I figure if I can get 18 people around a six inch screen at a campground <laughs> that like, and, and have a great time that this is going to be a no brainer. What well, a great fun evening. To get the, we want to get the screenings to tip, right? Because mm-hmm. once they tip, then, then everybody in the town knows that it's actually happening. Right. right. It's not like, Oh, we have 50 tickets reserved, but we need 70 that ain't going to get it done, right? You need to go out. Someone needs to go out and hustle. Right. Twenty more reservations to get the theater to happen, right? So, and you know, hey, I'm a little bit of a capitalist, right? So we don't make any money at the seventy ticket threshold. There's too many upfront fixed costs and mm-hmm. delivering the DCT master and all this stuff, right? So, you know, we want to fill the theaters up, right? So, once they tip, is when you know we'll come in and really help push the movie captains with just online help on how to get the word out in their area. The other thing I like about this system, because a lot of times you're going to book one of the smaller theaters in a complex, but if you sell out of that theater, don't, don't they have the potential to then bump you up to a bigger theater? Yeah. They bump you up. Right. So you may start off in a small hundred seater with your screening on any Sunday, but all of a sudden you get close to that hundred, and you're still two months out from your screening, they're going to bump you to the 200-seater, right? And if you are really kicking ass, you know, they're going to put you in their 450 or whatever, right? And we had a bunch of those with the Penton movie, you know. And and one of the things that makes the movie so great is the comedy that's in there. So I can't even imagine. I'm one of those people I haven't seen in the theater. To be able to sit in a theater with people who've seen it, people who haven't, and just laugh together, especially now after everything we've been through in the last year and a half, uh, this is going to be a real highlight of the year for me. I'm really looking forward to it. So I'm grateful for you bringing that, uh, making that happen. Um, And I'm glad to say that we're going to have that experience in two weeks. You are, I, you know, mm-hmm. I can't guarantee I'm not involved with the production of what's happening in, mm-hmm. in mid Ohio. Um, you know, they've hired a company to come, you know, produce the outdoor it's outdoors. Right. So it's an outdoor show. I think mm-hmm. So I don't, I, you know, I can't speak for, you know, picture quality and audio and all that stuff. I'm a big stickler for audio. I, on I'm it. pretty sure I could set up my little D six inch DVD player and everyone would still enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'll be better than that. I think it'll probably be better than that. So, well, plus you're doing our pet movie, right? So, yes, I get to be at a place where there's two projects I'm involved with. I know. Thank you so much for letting us uh, play yeah. that there. I'm so excited. I, I think I mentioned to you they weren't able to like book the usual um, speakers that they do, and yeah. so I just called them up because I participate every year, and I said, hey. Um, if you don't want that, you know, the the tent to be empty, but you still want to have a place for people to go and sit and be entertained, I'll bring some movies down. 
Yeah, Why not? Awesome. And I think, Todd, you know as well as I do, that one of the reasons that we do the Rev Sisters Film Festivals, there's so many great movies out there that aren't don't make the circuit enough. There's not enough outlets for people to see and share them, right? That's what I, in the motorcycle community. I mean, well, it's interesting you brought that up, Liza, because you know one of the things in this, you know, it happens that I have the most perfect movie vehicle to do this with is. You know, we hope to come out of this on any Sunday experience with a whole list of people who know how to do this, be a movie captain, Mm -hmm. right? Where we have the opportunity to bring niche motorcycle movies. And I do a lot of work. I'm from the BMX racing industry. So there's a couple of projects in that world that I'm involved in too, you know? So, you know, I'm interested in finding, having this, we'll call it a network of people out there that know how to do this. So, mm-hmm. you know, some of these other projects that, you know, are enthusiast based niche projects, uh, could see a life on the big screen, you know? So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, pension for me is a perfect example. I honestly, I don't remember where I discovered it, but I bought the DVD somewhere. Um, and I just, I like collecting motorcycle movies that I have a whole DVD collection here to share with people who haven't seen them. And I think I just bought it on women. I went home and I watched it and I was like, Jim, you have to watch this movie. It's awesome. <laughs> and I went and watched it again with Jim at his house because I wanted to share it. And he's like, this is awesome. And I think it's trickled down a couple. But um, so, yeah, I just love sharing these these great movies and stories that are so have so much passion. Um, I can't wait to be a movie captain. I can't wait next weekend to see it and get to finally meet you in person, shake your hand. Um, have you been, you been to Amy Vintage Days before? I have actually a few times, you know, um, I can't remember the last time I was there. I don't know. It was five, five, six years ago, I'm guessing. But, you know, the big year that we were there was at 07. We actually shot a complete television show for Versus, the Versus Network. And we covered the, they had this huge legends motocross gathering and we shot that race. Like it was a real, you know, motocross, supercross race, you know, multi-camera, we shot the road race and we shot the swap meet, you know, we just kind of took in the whole thing, mm-hmm. um, and produced a television show of it. And it was really fun, you know? So what's some of the highlights for you? What are the things you look forward to there? Well, of course I love bumping into a bunch of people that you know, I don't get to see enough these days. Yeah. You know, we, we all get one last lap around the sun every year. Right. So it's nice to see people, you know, particularly the pens. That's probably going to be the highlight for me is to see John. Uh, and you know, I love that swap meet. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I have managed to not buy anything. Yet. Oh, I know. I haven't. I don't have <laughs> carry on bag, you know, but there's plenty of neat things I wish you could do. So yeah. Callum, just to give you an idea of the swap meet, it's the largest motorcycle swap meet in the country. And I kid you not bagel can back me up on this. Maybe even Todd, you'll just, and you can ride your motorcycle through the aisles. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, and literally you'll go through and there'll be like in one stall, there will be a, like an, a 98 Honda shadow, um, a, some motorcycle car thing welded together and then a Vincent black shadow all lined up together. Yeah. I yep. was, uh, I was informed of some 
insultingly cheap VFR 400s that were there oh, uh, yeah. two years ago, and I uh, I cried that I couldn't get one. Uh, you you never go. know what you're going to get. Um, so, Todd, I know that you you know this movie in and out as I do, but we have an interesting opportunity here to get a fresh perspective on a 50-year-old film. So, Callum, you haven't seen it yet. I have not. Bagel hadn't seen it either. True. Until recently. Bagel. Let's hear your film review of this 50-year-old movie. What'd you think? Um, I, I will I will admit I, I did have to resort to the the substandard quality YouTube version <laughs> to watch it. But I'm very much looking forward to seeing the remastered version. I, I'm sure it'll be a much a much more enjoyable experience even than than uh, what I've already seen. But it was a great movie. Um, I I thought it was an, a a wonderful time capsule of what motorcycling was like 50 years ago. Um, and and a lot of that was you know I, I remember the 70s from my youth and um you know I'm, I'm not 50 years old yet so i was not i was not alive when the movie was made but growing up you know in the 70s later on a, a lot of it you know brought back a lot of memories to me um and and it was it was just a, a fascinating just and and really a a, a a, a very special slice of time, it seemed like, uh, especially with with Steve McQueen featured in the movie, mm-hmm. um, not as an actor, but as just another writer, um, you know, and, and, and watching, I, I thought it was very, very cool to watch what motorcycling was like back in those days. And, and it, I thought it was wonderful that the movie... Uh, highlighted so many different facets of motorcycling, all different types of racing. Um, I thought that was really, really cool. Um, you have so, a favorite part? Oh, wow. Um, I, I just, it, it's hard to, to pinpoint a favorite part because it was like the whole movie was just one incredible feature after another of, of little slices of, of motorcycle life. Um Man, um, I, it's it's really hard to put a finger on on one part okay. that that uh, that, you know, uh, that grabbed me. But can, it can, was... can I help you with your favorite part, Bagel? Okay. The answer is the BMX boys. <laughs> that that was a lot of fun. <laughs> I definitely you got, got a to chuckle out of that. On that Eliza, so. Yeah, so this is so exciting. Um, if you guys remember the beginning of the movie, it's like slow motion, these kids riding their BMXs, doing wheelies, doing jumps, like death to find. Callum, if you don't know, the, the time this movie was made, kids rode in the back of pickup trucks on freeways and played with lawn darts, yeah, and there were the, no helmet laws. This film predates yeah. safety. This predates yes. safety. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Water wiggles and slip and slides and all that stuff. <clears throat> oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. This, lawn darts. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah. the, these kids who, I don't even know, he probably just found these neighborhood kids to film, right? Yeah. So yeah. you you went on a little mission, didn't you, Todd? <laughs> I did, you know, because I have a, a history in BMX, the BMX industry, the bicycle industry, mm-hmm. and was a racer and all that stuff. So I was chatting with somebody else in the industry a couple months ago, and we're like, and I was telling him about the On Any Sunday project, and we started talking about the BM, the quote BMX kids at mm-hmm. the beginning of the movie, and you know, those kids were, man, they were a couple years ahead of their time from organized BMX racing getting its start, you know, for the most part, and. You know, for all of us 
kids who really wanted to be motorcycle racers, <laughs> but all we had was a bicycle. Mm-hmm. Those kids were our heroes, right? And yeah. um, and in the world of BMX pioneers and the history of the sport, those eight kids are legendary, right? And um, so I was having this conversation with a friend. And I said, you know, no one's ever really tried to find out who these kids were and put names to them. And, and, and about a week later, I was sitting around drinking coffee, like six o'clock in the morning. I'm like, huh, I want to make a Facebook page and I'm going to call it, uh, on any Sunday BMX kids search. And man, within a day I had the kid that rode the wheelies name (laughs) on the phone. I had a couple others and found out two more died and, you know, so within a couple weeks, we had basically tracked down all the kids, named them, had communicated with most of the guys who were still around. And uh, I actually, two weeks ago, there was a big Pioneer BMX reunion, kind of like the Trailblazers for BMX uh, in Van Nuys, the Van Nuys airport. It was called the NBA Racers Reunion. And I surprised everyone by bringing the wheelie kid, Mark Mandeville, and his wife. Yeah. Thing. Which, by the way, he went around corners doing wheelies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, one person told me he did it about 12 times. Mark says he remembers doing it once. So there's some <laughs> conflicting stories on how many times he did it. But he said he could do it all day long. In fact, he says he could still do it to this day. Uh, He's 63 nice. years old. Give, right? me, give so, me a banana seat, Schwinn. I think I could do it. He didn't have a banana seat on that bike. Like, that's the whole point. I know, and but I, I need one. <laughs> you don't know how hard it is to do a standing up wheelie on a bike with a coaster brake. Yeah. <laughs> pedaling because the all time. you can do is keep pedaling faster to keep it upright and keep from flipping over, right? Yeah. Holding yourself up with the handlebars. Yeah, holding yourself up with the handlebars and pedaling without being able to let off on the pedals to keep your from flipping over either way and, you know, dropping the front wheel. It's very difficult yeah. Yeah. And he did it for like three blocks, you know, yeah. that was amazing. So might explain why fun. I didn't remember. We're, and we're actually going to do a movie about the kids. Lies a little short. Yeah. Oh, really? We're going to bring all five of the ones that, well, there's four that are available to us. And one kid, believe it or not, he regrets it to this day. Uh, Donnie Goodwin, who was supposed to be there that day to ride with those kids. And when he showed up and saw all the cameras and all the hoopla, he got scared and he was kind of shining one home. Oh, so we're going to have him in the movie too, though. <laughs> <That's cool. laughs> he gets a do over. That's awesome. We're going to put all the, we're going to put all these five people together in a room together for the first time in 50 years. So, and where's that going to be? Um, probably within about a month, we're going to shoot that here in orange County somewhere. That's great. There's a BMX machine shop that makes BMX bikes that we're going to put them in with a cool imagey, you know, tubes and welding machines and grinders and frames hanging. Well, and, and, and actually that leads into, there's some other things you've been working on that are going to make these screenings even better. You've reached out to some people who are featured in the movie uh, to get them to possibly come yeah. to some of these events now we've interviewed uh jim rice has sat here in this room uh got an autograph picture of him up there uh mert law um there's a bunch of people that we're excited about we haven't interviewed dave aldana but he's on our list huh. um he's he's so available. i know you have made some arrangements to have them come out you want to give us some highlights of what you've yeah worked you out? know i um, because of the way the screenings work with gather and these movie captains, you know, some will be, you know, clubs or 
dealers, you know, that are mm-hmm. probably can afford to have a guest uh, person to come sign autographs and maybe do a little Q and A session at the theater. So I wanted to reach out and start lining these guys up sooner than later, just to see if they were available. Right. And kind of, I'll say, build them, <laughs> build a stable mm-hmm. of talent that could be available if somebody wanted, you know, Mert or Dave Aldana or Keith Mashburn, you know, Jeff Ward, you know, um, guys like that <clears throat> just to say, Hey, who's available, right? Who wants to do it? We're not going to pay the guys, the dealers or the movie mm-hmm. captains will pay them, you know, and pay their accommodations and all that work out their own deal. I just wanted to make sure I talked to these guys, um, to say, Hey, are you interested in, you know, going out and shaking hands and kissing babies for on any Sunday this fall? And they, you know, I got a, an okay from Dave Aldana from Mert Lawwell, um, who else? Keith Mashburn, Jeff Ward. And then I talked to Ricky Johnson and mm-hmm. Brad Lackett. Of course, those guys aren't in the movie, but it was pretty influential to yeah. them. And they're superstars and national champions and world champions. So there's a few more guys we're going to be able to add to it. You know, I have not talked to Jim Rice yet. He, I actually wrote myself a note today to, to get a hold of him. So, yeah, he, he's a, he's, oh. a, he's a really nice guy. Um, yeah. and, and, I mean, all those, all those people are, we especially love Mert. I'm just curious, uh, just in your opinion, do you think these guys like, uh, Dave and Mert and Jim, all them that, that this movie has, that their, their fame today comes from this movie, not from their racing career. Like what made them more famous? Yeah. You, you've obviously, if you've heard the stories of Malcolm Smith, you know, he says, Hey, he got, yeah. A million dollars worth of advertising from on any Sunday. Right. So, and he's, um, I, I think easily to me, Malcolm Smith is probably the best writer who's ever lived. Well, you know, he was what motorcyclist of the century. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> most talented mo- biker ever, but would I have ever heard of him if it wasn't for this movie, you know, but you know what? I God, I hate to, discount the guy's racing accomplishments you know but um oh i'm not not trying to discount the racing i'm trying no, to say no, no, but, but, but how great the movie it, is and that it is kept these guys famous, kept these know, guys it, in the limelight when you think of motorcycles and jim rice you think of that crash right yeah and that bandana, bandana around his face right yeah. and mm-hmm. you know i'm not a uh, expert on on mert's um career you know but you know he had won one championship in 19, whatever that was, 69, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then he was defending it in 1970 when they shot the movie, you know? So, you know, after that, I don't know, but, and no. it's featured in the first 30 minutes of the movie. I mean, they're, they're all AMA Hall of Famers. I, I'm not trying to <laughs> belittle yeah. their careers at all, but because of it, we know who they are and we can really um, appreciate everything they did again and again. And I guess yeah, it's... And, you know, because you guys are in the film business yeah. or film appreciation business, I would be remiss if I didn't recommend everybody go to Amazon Prime. I mm-hmm. think it's 99 cents to rent it and rent um, Dana Brown's new film about his dad. Yeah, I've already seen it. It's a cool. Life of Endless Summers. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. to get, you know, a real deep appreciation and kind of the inside personal feelings from from 
Bruce and Dana and some of the guys in the movie and Murd and oh, whatever. Yeah. Pretty powerful. So fun, fun stuff. And so for Bagel, since now you've seen the movie, so you know his son Dana Brown went on to make more movies. Um, What's the one about the Baja 1000 that I love? Dust of Glory. Yeah, Dust of Glory oh, is yeah. a great one. Great one. Oh, yeah, yep. great ones. Um, so Dana took his dad around when his dad was really quite older, revisiting. So, so uh, he also did Endless Summer about surfing, mm-hmm. right? Um, so Dana took him around revisiting a lot of these surfers and surfing spots and bikers, revisited Mert, revisited uh, Kenny Roberts, like, and went around and just kind of reliving um, and, and meeting again all these people who – like I just said, he elevated their careers with this movie. And that documentary is really cool. Seeing these these old guys reminiscing and talking about back in the day. And just hearing the stories, like from Mert, when he was talking about... Um, he got hurt. Well, no. When Scott's like, uh, uh, like, or Bruce was like, I'm, I'm going to ride in the van with you to the track because he would get in his van and drive like 24 hours to go to, to races. Yeah. And, and, right. And Bruce jumped in the van with him and just like document it and just, uh, yeah. And you know that you bond over stuff like that. But what hardcore, hardcore racers. And, but again, I always come back to the humor. And it's uh, the other thing that you learn. I mean, I don't think it's that much of a, uh, a secret. A lot of these scenes were staged. But mm-hmm. that's one of the things that I think Bruce Brown was so good at. You know, like the famous scene, um, Bagel, remember when uh, Mert and Malcolm and um, um, Steve went through like the, the water and they sprayed Steve? Uh-huh. How many times did they do that? What's the story, Tom? That like six times or something? I don't remember the whole story on it. So, yeah, but I definitely yeah. wasn't like just an impromptu thing. Yeah, know? like I think Mert told us, yeah, he had us do that six times, <laughs> right? <laughs> and they had to keep changing their clothes, you know? Um, but that's another great thing about well, the Well, lighting the, lighting the motorcycle on fire at the end. Yeah. In the desert, you know, that was a way Malcolm tells the story, you know, that was a. <laughs> a bike in his shop that had the motor was blown up on it. So it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't really good for anything anyway. So they use that as the prop, you know, for this mm-hmm. guy to catch it on fire out in the desert, you know, and, and crap Malcolm was able to repaint it, put some new tires and rubber <laughs> and stuff on it and he got it running and sold it. So. <laughs> nice. I know. know. But, but like the turtle, you know, in the desert scene where the guy stops and moves the turtle out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. I think that turtle was from the Browns' backyard. It was their pet. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I think Dana told that story. That, that there's there's a lot of good stories, and that's one of the things I'm looking forward to. Again, bringing this back out, and hopefully um, attending some events with some of these guys. I know Mert has told us a lot of stories. I have to go back and listen to our podcast again. Um, there's so many great stories. It's such a great film, and I'm I'm so appreciative that you you know partnered with them to bring it to theaters this is perfect timing um i want to give that website again one more time on any sunday 50th so 5050th.com so you can become a captain um what what do you have coming uh next or is this going to be what you're working on for a while now well this is kind of like you know it's the best part about this project is I don't have to make a movie too, <laughs> right? Which is the difference between the Penton movie is we were trying to do both and finish the movie at the same time. So 
this is actually kind of refreshing to do this, but, um, no, we have some, uh, you know, these little short projects, like I pulled about with on any sunny kids. We're going to do something with them. And, uh, we have a BMX classic BMX days event up at angels camp that we're, I'm involved in in October, um, three day event that we're going to shoot some of that. And, uh, we're actually working on this, um, a kind of a streaming channel. It's going to be called the Throwback Action Channel, mm-hmm. and it's for all vintage BMX and motorcycle dirt bike stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a huge library of BM, vintage BMX races and things like that, and motorcycle stuff. And hmm. so we're going to kind of create this like a mini Netflix for this stuff, right? Oh. That'll be launching this fall. So, um. Well, shoot, just uh, from the picture of uh, the Browns' uh, film uh, cabinet, all the stuff he shot for On Any Sunday, you could probably just run that stuff on your network 24 hours. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I'm sure a lot of that stuff is what stuff that's in the, you know, and made it in the movie, but there's a lot of stuff that didn't, you know, and there's plenty of, you know, bad takes and ugly overexposed this or out of focus that or whatever that... You got to shoot to get the good stuff, you know? So, yeah, uh, that's cool. Well, and then also just FYI, something else for, um, we're hopeful to get off Mm -hmm. the ground. There's a movie about the 1981 motocross and trophy to nations team, which was America's first win Mm -hmm. international Olympics of motocross 1981. This is the 40th anniversary this year of that happening. So we're hoping, uh, I got my fingers crossed. We're going to make an announcement that a film about that is going to go into production next year. So, um, Ooh. and that's nice. really good. Boy, that is a miracle on ice, miracle on dirt, uh, <laughs> story for, for us dirt bikers, you know? And I love again, uh, you know, these films that just bring these things uh, up because you know we can't get enough of two-wheeled stuff i can't get enough i want to just see it all and experience it all and and live vicariously through the films and i just find like uh, you know you have to find them you have to dig they're out there you have to dig but there's also all these stories just need ready to be told so i'm glad that there's someone like you out there bringing these stories i appreciate it well thank you for uh, having me no problem. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks. Um, yep. If you want to find me, I'm going to be next to the, we're staying next to the burnout contest corner. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> okay. Did you pay extra for that? <laughs> oh no. We, 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 we've, we've got our digs. Like we're, we're getting there early. We get there every year. We've got it figured out. We're staying with the Cleveland moto crew. We have a, a lot of fun and I'll be working the circuit, seeing everyone, visiting everyone. Like you said, that's the thing for me too, is the people I run into and meet there and the people who I see every time I go, you know, that become old friends. And, um, I, I, I just, I love that. It's just a giant reunion of like-minded people. Well, and, uh, we're there really, um, we're all to support the screen that they're doing for sure, but mm-hmm. we're going to have a little table in our booth there, um, to really push people becoming movie captains, right? We want to find, movie captains out there in that mid Ohio audience, you know, to go home and bring the theater to their town. So, so bagel, now that you've yeah. seen the movie, yes. Do you think you want to sign up and be a captain? 
I already uh, sent my information in. Hey, oh, it hey <laughs> there it is. And Callum, back off, man. I already signed up for Santa Cruz. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Well, Todd, work together on it. Yeah, exactly. Todd, thank you so much for coming on and sharing that. Um, if you want to be a ride captain, uh, sign up. And if you movie haven't, captain, movie captain. sorry, sorry, movie captain. <laughs> and if you haven't seen the movie and don't want to watch the YouTube version, um, you know, you can look. You can find out where they're going to be screening here. Um, but yep. if you want to preview it, uh, it's on Amazon, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's the type of movie you can watch over and over. And that's the other thing that's so great about it. You well, can... the new remastered version is really spectacular. It's like watching a new movie. So. Oh, with the new sound, too. Yeah, new sound, new picture. I mean, it's amazing. Wow. They fixed all the little blurby scratches and chemical blotches that happen in film developing and all this has gone, you know, so it's, cool. it's a new movie all over again. Well, thanks Todd. I'll look for you in okay. a couple of weeks. And, and when you feel that tug Howdy, on guys. the tug on the elbow, I want that introduction. <laughs> Make sure you uh, text me your cell number. That way I can hook up with you. Back yeah, there. I will do that. Okay. All right. Thanks for joining us, man. See you guys. All right. See ya. Take care. Bye. Bye. So what do you guys think? I know, Callum, are you dying to see the movie now? Well, I know you're going to kill me if I don't. But but yes, <laughs> I actually am genuinely interested. Yeah. You can see it on Amazon or YouTube. And uh, Bagel, I'm glad that you watched it. It, I know I, I was expecting you your review to say, needs more scooters. <laughs> well, yeah, there, there were not a lot of scooters featured in the movie, but that, that, that's okay. I wasn't expecting that. No, and you know what's amazing? Mert still lives in the same house. Wow. I cool. know. I know. Yeah. Well, um, I wanted to talk about something else now. Okay. Oh, yeah? Yeah, this is something that's been kind of kept quiet, um, but it's been a fascinating story that I think it's time to tell. So, um... Bagel, you may you may know you've been around a long time. I have you ever heard stories about um, like uh, you know how they have mechanic schools where they send them bikes to to wrench on to learn how to you know fix those bikes, right? And then they're called school bikes and even school motors. Like there's lore of these um, uh, Honda CBXs because they were sent to all the schools for they mm. can learn on CBXs and then the CBX failed and. You're supposed to destroy, dismantle them, destroy all the parts and throw them away when right. it's given to a school or when you have like a dealership that is assembling a bike and maybe something is scratched or something. Mm-hmm. Throw it away, get a new part. You're supposed to destroy it. Well, you know, they don't always destroy it. I can understand that. It's um, recycling. Well, just, I mean, these things that we love, these bikes, scooters, yeah. everything that we love, you don't want to just destroy. Yeah, In fact, not. we know, like, uh, we know somebody who's even talked about it. Uh, like, Phil has a pretty cool rare bike that was supposed to be destroyed and wasn't. <laughs> True. That he got. Um, but there is uh, some people who are crazy enough Callum, who I'm talking to nudge, right now. Wink, wink, <laughs> nudge, nudge. Um, who built a dumpster bike. Ta-da. Ta-da. 
One part at a time. One part at a time. Nope. We're calling it a dumpster bike. Um, the, these parts. So, Callum, you built an entire bike from found and obtained and collected parts. Yeah. So, um, turns out in uh, this specific part near the Bay Area, there's a sizable electric community. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of us think motorcycles are really cool. And we think electric motorcycles are really cool, and we like figuring out how to work on them, how to take them apart, put them Mm -hmm. back together, make them do stuff they weren't supposed to. And I was lucky enough to meet a few people in the community kind of early on in my uh, motorcycling career uh, down at uh, down at the Vetter Ranch. Ran into the artists formerly known as DigiNow. Anybody in the Zero community might know who (laughs) that is. Uh, Brandon Miller and Morgan Vetter, and they had a lot of spare parts around. And I guess I guess they took a liking to me because they said, "Hey, one day, do you want to learn to work on this stuff? Uh, we could use use a hand around the shop sometimes, and you seem uh, capable of learning things, which uh, is is I take a pretty good compliment." And so there were a bunch of spare parts around and they said, you know, there's probably enough here to build a whole bike. If you learn to do it and, you know, help us out with some projects too, you, you can start putting a bike together. And so I jumped on it cause it's like, I'm, you know, at this point, uh, 20, damn, uh, <laughs> time flies. Uh, I'm only 23 now, but you know. At that point, I think I was about 20, and I'm a broke college student looking into get getting into electric motorcycles, and it's like the the cost to entry to this is pretty pretty high right now. They start yeah. like 14. What is it? No, depends or, what you're trying to get. End. No, I mean, um, yeah, you can get a small a small RFX for like yeah. what eight maybe. Yeah, I think with a single battery. Yeah, um, but. You know, getting into it, it's still it's still a pretty significant barrier for someone who doesn't have a lot of resources. So obviously, I jumped on the opportunity and then managed to meet more and more people in the community. And turns out, more and more people have more and more spare parts. And eventually, this bike came together. And uh, the first few iterations of it, it looked awful. It was, a, <laughs> it was a bare frame, had these three gigantic charging units sticking out of where the tank would be, big orange cables running everywhere. Um, it was probably a rolling, uh, hazard. Uh, I don't, I, I think somebody else actually wrote it a couple of times at that stage. Um, it I fear can't for be life. more hazardous than anything Terry rides. Fair. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely true. But, uh, it's, it's grown since then. A few parts have gotten upgraded. A few parts have broken, gotten swapped out. And, uh, in its current state, it's sitting outside dressed in, uh, imposter Ducati 748 bodywork that I managed to lovingly bodge onto it via, uh, hardware store aluminum and riv nuts. Uh, cannot recommend by the way, uh, riv nut your frame at your own risk, but it does look pretty great especially considering where it came from. Uh, yeah. So this actually reminded me of when I built my chopper. Um, b- building a chopper, you start with, you got to get a frame, right? Yep. Thanks, you got to get a front end. Yeah. So you got a frame from Terry, an old, old zero frame from him, <laughs> right? Um, you got to get a front end. You, what kind of front end you got on there? It, it does have the zero parts on it okay. currently. Zero. Uh, you need to get wheels. Yep. You, you obtain those. Uh, I know. I know for a fact. I'm not outing Terry. I know that like when he needed a new wheel, he was able to find one in a dumpster because it had a scratch. Yeah, Terry is very resourceful, mm-hmm. and uh, he's also a very con- 
positively contributing member of uh, the local community, shall yeah. we say. Um, then you need to have, so the big thing, so you need a motor yep. and a controller mm-hmm. and the big thing. The battery. The batteries. How many batteries do you get on the bike? Uh depends how you count it in zero marketing terms mm-hmm. i have one monolith um mm. oh is that on, like the energica is uh, that what you call one monolith how that's just like a giant case yeah so zero specifically decided to call their batteries a monolith okay. um, that's not like an industry term that's that's kind of their mm, parlance for mm-hmm. it um they did that back when they were updating from older batteries to a newer style and they okay. they wanted to make a big deal out of it and they, they called it the monolith because it's this big black block right <laughs> in the middle of your bike cool. and it does sound pretty mm-hmm. cool um but uh, depending on how how far down the rabbit hole you want to get uh the monolith in my bike contains two boxes of cells mm-hmm. that could technically be broken out and turned into two batteries easy, fairly easily. Okay. Um, older versions of the monolith that were the same size and weight and roughly the same capacity contained four smaller boxes. So they've they've gone from four to two. Mm, what size these. batteries are these? Is this the 11? What is it? Ooh, they've, they've done a lot. Okay. Um, I... At this point, I tend to keep track of stuff in terms of the internal amp hour ratings okay. that are printed on stickers on side on the yeah. sides of these battery boxes inside the battery boxes. Yeah. I'll let you guess how I found those stickers. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, luckily Zero's at a pretty safe voltage for enthusiasts. That's part yeah. of why they're approachable. But um, they had uh, tw- twenty. 25 amp hour cells back in like 2014 and then they went to 28s and then 30s and now i think they're currently on 35s Mm. um so i have the equivalent of four of the smallest units zero makes in that battery but it's really packaged as two big units so inside one bigger unit now i have to ask can you tell us how you source the batteries because this is the hardest that is and when somebody has we've we've told people like don't buy an older electric bike because the thing that goes bad is the batteries and they run like two grand a piece i think depends what battery for what bike you're looking at um so the battery that's in that bike, MSRP, mm-hmm. that's about an eight to ten thousand dollar battery. Right. I got it for a thousand bucks out of a salvage bike in Anaheim. Um, there's, there's and, the and I'm about yeah. to drive used market prices up by saying this, but uh, it got posted on eBay um, by some salvage guys who mm-hmm. didn't quite know what they had. Mm-hmm. They knew it was a battery. They knew it was a fairly expensive portion of the bike, so they listed it for for like nine hundred bucks. They didn't weigh it. And they offered free shipping. <laughs> um, it, it was slightly mislabeled on the eBay listing. And I think that really scared a lot of people off because they were like, oh, this doesn't say the right things. I know that's mm-hmm. wrong. So this and it seems kind of cheap. This might be like a weird scam or something odd going on. I don't really want to touch this. But I, you know, I looked through the photos and I was like, okay, so there's there's the serial number. You know, it's TR whatever, whatever, 19. Okay, it's a 2019 model year battery. So this is a 2020 battery sitting on eBay for $900. So I, uh, Sweet. I, I pressed the old buy it now button because it wasn't an auction either. People thought it was an auction and they were scared away because it's like, oh, starting bid, 900 But No, 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 no. It was a buy it now. So I bought it now wow. and yes. then they weighed it and then they said, hey, sorry, it's going to be a minute. We've got to freight it. But uh, we did say no, no shipping costs. So we're going to freight it to you for free. 
and I happen to have a loading dock with a forklift that I have access to. So that that showed up. Nice. And, uh, and yeah, so that's that's the current battery that's in there. It's a Zero's biggest single battery that they sell right now. It's a fourteen point four kilowatt hour. Yeah. As as advertised, okay. it's like twelve and a half usable, but it's it's fantastic for what it is. That's sweet. And um, like Bagel, you've uh, sourced some parts for your electric build. I have, um, yeah. I bought a, a, a Zero FX uh, at, uh, at a salvage auction, mm-hmm. uh, which had perfectly good batteries and electronics in the bike. It had been in a front end collision. Or actually, I'm sorry. No, this was not from Copart. This is uh, this was a special I got from our friend, our friend Donkey Phil. I thought you were being all sly there because we knew that. Oh no, no. Yeah, yeah. No, sorry. I've, getting, <laughs> I've got I've bought too many wrecked bikes. I'm getting all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's, uh... so the Monkey Phil. Uh, apparently, one of one of his customers had. Uh, uh, met the unfortunate end of a pickup truck, I think, and um, <clears throat> he was okay, thankfully. But the bike was totaled, um, just completely smashed the front end. But thankfully, all the electronics were in fantastic working shape. So um, got the bike, had it shipped out, and I've taken it all apart and uh, have saved the uh, the useful parts that are going to go into my electric Heinkel build. And uh, the, the the part that's got me held up though right now is I need to find somebody who can. Who can create a uh, fabricate a, a, a shortened swing arm for it? Uh, the, well, right. can't you take a long one and shorten it? What's going on there? It's tricky. It's it's very very lightweight aluminum, um, and the way it's shaped does not lend itself to being shortened. So we need to have a new swing arm made. Basically, what I want to do is take the the stock ends uh, that are on the existing swing arm and just connect them to a shorter tube. So it'll fit a, a mm-hmm. shorter wheel with a, a shorter reach. Yeah, so it'll fit inside. Those ends are, uh, are solid cast, so shouldn't be too yep. too bad. Exactly. So, and somebody with with good good aluminum welding skills uh, should be able to do it. I'm I figure, but I've got to find somebody who's up to the task. So, well, see, and this brings up the other challenge again. I'm going back to the comparison of building a chopper. When I you know I bought the frame and I bought a front end which bolted on, um, but then I bought like a rear fender that's like a big cast rear fender that didn't bolt on, and I had to mm-hmm. modify and fit it. And then I got a tank which didn't fit on. I had to to weld on mounts and and in building a, a a custom bike you're buying parts that don't go together and you have to figure out how to make them fit bagel you're going through that on yours so Calum, what kind of um challenges did you meet on yours <laughs> um so this problem was described to me earlier as custom problems <laughs> yeah. Which, uh, yeah yeah, yeah I, I managed to make a lot of custom problems one of the things for me is I'm using an entire zero powertrain, so mm-hmm. all of those bits were pretty much plug and play with each other. Mm-hmm. There were a few things I needed to to convince or uh, finagle that they should uh, turn on. Um, a few bits of wiring harness needed to be extended, but but for the most part, that stuff just just worked. Big air quotes there. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks, Todd Howard. Get out of my brain. Um, <laughs> and. Uh, Beyond that, the mechanical bits, there's some some funky stuff. That frame is a zero frame. The motor is a zero motor. They bolt together. That's fine. Um, The frame that I got from Terry, um, thanks, Terry, uh, was designed for a smaller controller. Okay. Uh, not the big one that's in there now. So there are some nice hacksaw marks underneath the seat. <laughs> uh, basically, some mounting tabs had to come off, and then um, there's a, a bracket that goes in later that that replaces those mounting tabs with the the new ones for the bigger controller. That was probably the biggest 
necessary to get it running physical modification. The cool thing about electric vehicles is you can kind of stick whatever wherever Mm -hmm. um, unless something needs a lot of airflow. There's not much dictating where stuff has to go. You want to keep your cable runs short because, you know, uh, cables get hot the more current you pump through them. The longer they are, the hotter Mm. they get. Um, You know, resistance makes heat. Uh, So beyond keeping cable runs short and making sure stuff gets airflow, you can kind of stick things wherever they fit. Um, And using the zero frame eliminated a lot of those problems. So. Yeah, Bagel's not doing that. No. Uh, I'm sorry, Bagel. You're going to have a it, lot more fun with this than I did. Yeah, it's going to be a little more challenging. But but I've, I've kind of lined things up, and I, I've, I'm fairly confident that there's a way to squeeze everything in there. Um, but it will take a, a good bit of measuring and, and, and try a little bit of trial and error, I think, to get things lined up just right. Um, yeah. But... But, uh, you know, and, and there'll be some fabrication involved, obviously, in getting everything uh, attached in there. But, um, but I'm, I, I have an idea of how, how it should all come together. Uh, I just need to find the right, right fabricator who can help me out with, uh, mm-hmm. with those parts. And um, I'm hoping I can make some progress on that later this year. I've been, I've been giving it a lot of thought lately. It's, it's, been, it's been at the forefront of my mind, aside from my preparations for my trip right now. <laughs> Well, I, uh, I have faith that it will get done. You, uh, you're very determined on this project, and it's a cool project. Uh, I highly recommend CAD, uh, Cardboard Aided Design. Yes. Um, it's a, it's It'll a be some valuable that, sure. technique. Yeah, yeah I, have, I have lots of experience with uh, uh, cardboard uh, cardboard things in the past, so that will, that will come in handy for sure. Well, and I, um, see here, I, I'm so torn because I don't want to take on another project. Though. Oh, I did just get the KZ400 running good. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's killing me because I, I, I'm, Calum, I'm trying so hard to talk you into taking on another project. I know, mm. I know. So I might actually know somebody who's got extra space. Oh. And they might be willing to hold on to the frame for a bit. So, so we might be able to make this happen. Here's what we got. We got Jim has his blowed up a DR350 dirt bike that uh, he blew the engine. So it stands for don't run 350. And he gave the carburetor. <laughs> I think Z or someone got the carburetor. So he has an intact plated bike Ooh. with no engine. Plated. You said the magic California word. I know. I think yeah. it's, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's non opt as well. Um, and I just like, I'm like, wait, we need to. Th- and these guys are throwing cool electrics into bikes and making it work. We need to do that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. See, I know this is a thing. So, um, Callum, will you do that for me? Uh, I will certainly help. I, I can't guarantee I'll actually be physically present for oh, all of it. Right. Yeah, I know. Well, there, there's a 2014 S up on uh, Copart right now in Long Ooh. Beach that has zero bids on it at the moment. Oh, speaking of Long Beach, um, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know how I missed it, how much custom motorcycle culture is in mm-hmm. Long Beach. Yeah. And then I mm-hmm. decided, it's like, hey, I should go to school in Long Beach. They have a great design program. Dude, Jesse James West Coast Choppers was in Long and then, Beach. And then I started looking for places to live, and it's like everywhere I look, it's like, oh, there's a custom shop. Oh, that's a custom. Oh. oh. Um, yeah, so maybe maybe more than just school bringing me to Long Beach. Hmm. Wow. I, I know. I'm, I'm not ready to take on that project, but I love what you guys have done. And we've seen other crazy bikes and when we have the death fx yeah and yeah. and we Some won't say who but there's also the death grom 
Um, I'm sure we've talked about it. We're not going to say who or what or how. Yeah, I think it's come up before. But there is a Grom with a zero uh, powertrain that can easily do over 100. Yeah, I, could, wow. I can believe that. That is a death Grom. Absolutely. That sounds like something I would really enjoy riding. You know what I'd really love riding? That broke up FX you got and fixing it up. <laughs> <laughs> I actually want an FX, but you got it, Bagel. So let's yeah. let's get to how much it costs. So I can tell you when I built my custom chopper, it cost me twenty five grand in parts. Uh, Callum, how much is your uh, motorcycle cost you so far? Including the thousand dollars of battery that I just jammed in it, I'm probably somewhere around three thousand into it. Damn you! Yeah, um, I, wow. I gotta say. That's just purely monetary outlay. Obviously, yeah. there have been lots of favors traded, yeah. hours of work contributed to other people's projects. It's It's been a community effort. Um, but yeah, I kind of stole that bike. <laughs> Not yeah. literally, to be and, clear. And you know, the irony here is that Jim can't find a motor for the DR350. They're unobtainium. Boom, boom. Mm. Right. Perfect donor then. Exactly. Uh, let's see. Who do we know that might have some parts? And this is what I love. This is what I love. And this is how you, you networked with. We know a lot of the people. They're friends of ours. Been on the show. But everyone knows the value. And then when they see something, they grab it. Oh, yeah. 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 Now, warehousing all of it can be a challenge. Some of us acquire yeah, quite the collection, and then sadly we have to move it on. And then, and then a project comes along where it would have been great to have them. So mm. there's there's pain, but um, but so, also triumph. I got a question for you because um, you know a lot more about the electric bikes than I do. I've heard that mm. batteries lose efficiency over the time, um, or that there may be a battery that's only running like eighty five percent that they may scrap. And replace for somebody, yeah. right? So the automotive industry considers 80% charge retention to be end of life for a battery. Basically, it, it only gives right. you back 80% of what it did when it was new. So that's that's considered a dead battery, some 80%, yeah, right? Not, not dead, but no longer fit for automotive use frequently. So that's that's what you'll see coming out of used Nissan Leafs and getting put on eBay. And those, those cells are generally, generally 80%. So state of you know capacity would you left. recommend that somebody that it's okay to get one of those at a, it, a discounted rate yes but just know what you're getting so yes. the the trouble is there are so many different batteries out there and so many different manufacturers that doing enough research and having the knowledge base present to be able to look at something and say yeah that's actually a good deal or no that's terrible you guys are selling trash it's really hard to accrue that amount of knowledge um there are some people who have some general recommendations out there. Um, I know a few a few YouTube mm -hmm. channels, people building their own custom power storage solutions or doing you know EV conversions on old Volkswagen buses and, and things like that, um, who have kind of some general guidelines. But uh, it's it's a big barrier to entry in terms of where do you get the knowledge. Yeah. Because there's only so much you can you can say out loud to someone or you know absorb through osmosis from being around these people right. and and it's hard to find good resources for teaching yourself this stuff and that's that's why I've been so lucky to be here is because I'm around a lot of these people a lot so I can just kind of pick it up. Um, bagel, 
on the yes. crashed FX that you bought that basically it just had a snapped like um, um, fork the, tube, uh, right? The head tube. The head tube. Off the frame. So everything else behind it, like everything I would need to do Jim's bike project, um, you have. Can Would you be willing to share what that value is? How much did you get it for? Or what do you think it's worth? Um, geez. Well, what it's worth is, is probably, um, somewhere in the range of, I don't know, I would say probably at least four or five grand. Okay. I'm not doing that project. <laughs> well, that's what's what it's worth. I got mm-hmm. it for two grand. Okay. Yeah, it was it was a, a deal that that Phil was willing to give me, and so okay, that, that made it made it possible for me to do this. That's not bad when you're talking. These bikes are close to ten grand for the quality mm-hmm. of the parts you got. That's a fantastic deal, it, and that exactly, you, and that's why I jumped on it. Oh, I think that's pretty cool. It's a lot less yeah. than twenty five grand that I paid <laughs> for my chopper. Right. Uh, those were expensive parts. Yeah, Kuryakin doesn't come cheap. <laughs> Stop, Kuryakin <laughs> is cheap, man. <laughs> they they make some cool stuff. No, it was all the other expensive stuff. Well, yeah. Callum, I think that you've done a really cool thing. I think it's also something because the industry was still so new that not enough people were on board looking for these parts. Yeah, it's demand has definitely been increasing. Um, There's still, you know, auctions that pop up for Mm -hmm. for wrecked stuff that don't go that high in bidding. Um, So it's, but it's coming up. People are, people are learning about it and, and jumping on this stuff more often. Well, you're 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 like a dumpster cowboy. Yeah, I think I could uh, I could live with that nickname. <laughs> there it is. I think we have a nickname. Yeah, you know, I saw I saw a uh, an SRF on Copart a couple of weeks ago. Ooh, so tempting. Except, I want one of those motors. Except for the fact that it had been in a flood. Oh, dude, the motors don't. They care. go underwater. Well, with the batteries though, and all the other electronics. The batteries are probably screwed, but uh, the right. controller and motor, those are some very tasty bits. I might have to and, look and for that. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, it's, it's already gone now, unfortunately. Ah, but, damn. but it was it was very tempting. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 140 pound-feet of torque. It's, uh, yeah. Hmm. Well, it's it's something I just wanted to share your story. uh, It's going to be harder and harder to be able to dumpster dive a bike. Um, But there is still the possibility to convert a bike to an an existing bike to electric. Absolutely. And which is going to be a fun thing. You just have to be careful in buying the parts because you're not sure what, what you're getting. It can be a lot of outlay up front. And so there's kind of higher stakes to, oh, let me just feel this out and get some parts, see how it goes. But you can still start with something smaller, like an e-bike, uh, more mm-hmm. of a bicycle size thing, or build something like a really light little dirt bike, a one, you know, 125 kind of equivalent. Oh, I saw someone powered um, a, a, like a, a little uh, bike with, I think there were drill batteries. <laughs> I've seen that done. Yeah, um, right. That's, that's probably not going to teach you too much about uh, <laughs> the know. market for batteries, but a project like that's great for just kind of getting your feet wet and starting to understand the components. But I would say the the most important thing here is if you are interested in doing something like this, the EV, electric vehicle community, is pretty tight, 
tight knit and also I think pretty honest. And the point is you're able to mm-hmm. reach out to the community and source parts. And I think people want to help each other still. Yeah, it's it's very much this kind of attitude of we're all doing this because we love it. Yeah. And and there's a lot of people out there who will be way more about the, hey, you know, we need to do something about all these gas vehicles on the road kind of side of things. But a lot of us just love building stuff. We mm-hmm. happen to love stuff on two wheels. And we think electric is really cool. So, you know, talk to people. Um, if you if you bug people on Instagram, see who you can find. Um, just you know, the worst thing that happens is someone says, no, fuck off. Like, that's really not that bad. Sorry, can I say that? Yes, you can say okay, that. Okay, good. Um, I probably should have asked before firing that one off. You know, um, I, I just thought of something funny. You know, it would be cool to get, like, uh, one of the older FXs that has, like, the batteries are toast. Yep. And throw in like a DRZ 400 motor. So, <laughs> Just a you, you should talk to Mason George about that. Oh, um, no. He has one? No. But that's exactly the kind of project he would love to do. Just as a, as a giant middle finger to anyone that told him gas was bad. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. No. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Get your foot in the door any way you can. Talk to everybody because somebody's going to say yes. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. It is fun. It it is fun. So, yeah, thanks for sharing that that story. It was kind of like this, like, um, close-knit little secret thing (laughs) as you were, like, assembling it and resourcing parts from here and there. And and, and we do have to put the disclaimer. If you're going to go dumpster diving behind a dealership, you may be breaking a law. Yeah, it's entirely possible. You may be breaking a law, just saying. But I'm also saying if they didn't chop the bits up, that's on them, too. I'm just saying. I, I don't think any uh, legal entity would see it that way. But, I'm, not, I'm um, not sure. It but certainly implies a certain level of uh, we want this to be out there. If you're grabbing uh, you know, a wheel or something, that there's not going to be a lawsuit to come back and get them. I'm not sure that they're really going to care that much. Yeah. I think that's what it was. Terry, his wheel bearings were going out. So rather than get new wheel bearings, he just went and Got a new wheel. dumpstered a new wheel. That's what it was. Yeah, that's a very Terry thing to do. <laughs> I, I say that in the most loving, kind way possible. Terry's I great. Know. I that know. is a very Terry thing to do. Well, I, I, I think Indeed. it's uh, time to read some emails. Bagel, I sent you one if you can cue that up. Um, yeah. But first, I need to do a shout out. So we had a guest come by the garage last week when I was not here, and we didn't record a show either. Uh, So this is a big shout-out to Chris Comley. Hey, Chris, so sorry I missed you. I'm glad you got to hang out with Emma. And uh, so Bagel, he did the Iron Butt Rally, and he was in Provo. And he had to go back to Pennsylvania, so he, he, he swung by the garage. (laughs) <laughs> just a little side trip. <laughs> Swung by the garage on his way to Pennsylvania to say hi. Um, he's been on our show a couple times when we opened it up to listeners. So, hey, Chris, sorry I missed you. So glad you were able to come out here and, and meet Miss Emma. Um, got a couple more emails. All right. So, Callum, this is where we try and help some people. Oh I, don't, I don't know how much help we, we are, but um, <laughs> let's see. I got this one. Oh, I like this one. Uh, this one is that one fucked up tiger. 
<laughs> says, hey, Misfits, uh, this is from Ray. Uh, thanks for answering my very long email on your show, and thank you for your advice. You guys remember that he had a tiger that he crashed, and he's trying to decide, do I fix it up or just sell it and buy a new one? What do I do? Um, he says, I will be taking the bike in, and hopefully they can figure it out. If anything, I believe they'll get me a list of parts needed to fix it up. I am considering selling the bike, though, either as is or after I piece it back together and getting another bike in the meantime. You asked where I'm at, and I'm in northeastern Washington. You also mentioned you knew someone who might be interested in the bike, and I'd be down if that's something that could work out. Um, I don't remember who it was, but hey, if you're looking for a lightly smashed <laughs> Triumph uh, Tiger Adventure bike, I think the thing, too, is like adventure bikes are meant to be smashed. They're meant to be like... Yeah, I mean, Dented as long as it doesn't have Roughed up. significant frame damage, everything else can be replaced. Yeah, I believe in this one, I think both sides got damaged in this crash. Well, there's like scraped and then there's bent yeah. frame. No, I think a gnarly adventure bike is cool. Oh, yeah. No, scrapes are good. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's combat patina. Hey, Bagel, does that apply in the war- in the scooter world? Does, is a gnarly Vespa cooler or less cool? It, it all depends. Um, there is there is definitely a a thread in the scootering world of rat bikes, <clears throat> where people just have just the rattiest scooter that's just has you know paint peeling off of it and and just stuff stuck on there here and there and just it, and it just it just runs and looks horrible. And but the great thing about those bikes is you don't need to worry about them. Is it true that all ratted scooters have a raccoon tail attached to them? Um, no, actually, that's mod scooters. Oh, mod scooters. Tail. Okay. Yeah. Oh. They're very nice, very, very shiny. <laughs> Lots of chrome. <laughs> um, Bagel, do you have an email there to read? I do. Um, I have an email from Michael Dolphin. Where is he from? Um, where is he from? I don't see. The land above this... us. What's that? Is he? Oh, no, I'm not sure. Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I you're just going to have to make up an accent. Um, okay, Callum, pick a country, any country. Oh, God. Oh, this doesn't end well. Or uh, state. Or province. I'll, I'll tell you. Or region. This could be one or the other, Georgia. Oh, that's All right. Go for it, bagel. <laughs> Excuse me. All right. Hey, guys. Have to get into this. <laughs> Newer listener. Not sure if this is the right way to contact you, but I love the podcast, especially hey. Emma. She's brilliant. Hey, I'm a newer rider. Started started last year after buying a '72 Yamaha R5 350C. Ooh, bought it for three hundred dollars. There you go. Got it running after 26 years of sitting, and nice. put about 500 mile, 1500 miles on it already. <laughs> I also picked up a 98 Honda Valkyrie for $500, (laughs) played around with it, and it seems like I just need to rebuild the carbs and it'll run fine. I've got about 13 years of restoring British, Italian, and American cars, and although I'm a damn decent mechanic, I'm relatively new to motorcycles. I'm curious if any of you guys have solid pointers of things I should look out for on either of my bikes. Feel free to check out my Instagram if you want to see the bikes or cars at Dolphin Mike. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Dolphin Mike, I'm guessing not from Georgia. 
Maybe Florida? <laughs> that's a Close. good guess. That's, yeah, that's a good guess. Um, so let's see. He's got the an old Yamaha, was it? And then it's the a 72 Yamaha R5 350C. And then the Valkyrie. And, and then a 98 Honda Valkyrie. All right. So basically he wants tips on his $300 and $500 bike. Yes. Um, I got a great tip. Don't go far. <laughs> At least not right away. <laughs> but he's already put 1,500 miles on the the, uh, the Yamaha. So he's he's done some distance already. No, that's great. And the Valkyrie is a big... Are you familiar with the Valkyrie? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, one actually yeah. rolled by me earlier, and I was like, oh, hey, a Valk. Nobody rides a Valk anymore. <laughs> I haven't seen one... Well, actually, I, I mean, I saw one just now, but before that it's been a while uh yeah learn how to do valves a lot of them <laughs> um uh, no i think for any cheap bike i mean i've had my share of them bagel i think you've probably had your share of cheap Most scooters right cheap. yeah i know um and, and callum you're basically riding the electric I, I, version i've admitted that all of my bikes have to be cheap <laughs> yeah. yeah um no the, the tip is just to have fun with it that you're going to get more out of that bike than you than you paid for oh absolutely bottom yep. line that's it yep. um but uh maintenance is going to be key and on older bikes on both of those when you're getting a bike that's cheap the things that are often overlooked or the simple maintenance things like uh, i always remind people um replace your brake fluids yep on older bikes it's as we've said it's hygroscopic and it loses efficiency efficiency slower um and just like on mine with the steering head it was dry there was no grease in there yep. and this is not stuff that takes parts or, or money per se bearings and grease yeah so um to keep them running just keep going through them and if you if you buy a cheap bike like that you're buying a project the project never ends oh absolutely not yeah yeah so that's my advice is have fun. Um, and those are also great, um, uh, great bikes to like chop up and modify because you yep. really can't devalue it. Nope. <laughs> you know, yeah. if it was sitting and nobody cared until you got it, then you're not obligated to care. Like do what you want with it. Have fun. I'm just curious, a $500 Valkyrie, like how janky did that have to be? Yeah. Or, or is it just in the middle of nowhere and no one cares? Well, I'm just going to take a guess um i like we already established with the, these other bikes maybe it had front end damage possible um it's hard to know i mean sometimes people just sit around with a bike in their garage for too long and they decide it's worth more to get rid of it so well here's the thing valkyries are one of those bikes that the people who own them love them they are garaged they are. bikes. They're not left out in the rain. Well, they shouldn't be anyway. But So if there's one that's a $500 bike, I'm guessing that it had a problem they couldn't figure out. Probably. And that he figured it out. Yeah, yeah hopefully. <laughs> that's where they come from. So, yeah, keep having fun with that. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. I have one here. And uh, oh, I'm not doing the accent because he's from Canada. 
this is from Kyle. He says, hello, misfits. Last year I bought a 2008 FZ6. We had one of those at the garage today. At the end of the summer with about 25,000 kilometers, so it's about 15,000 miles. When I got it out of storage this year, I had noticed my bike running warmer than last season and found a coolant leak from a rusted pinhole in the connector pipe a couple weeks ago. Upon replacing the pipe, I flushed and refilled the coolant system, which by the looks of it had never been done before. See, that's another thing. Mm-hmm. Coolant systems. Um, however, even at highway speeds, the engine temp surpasses the, uh, we're doing Fahrenheit here, 155 to 165 Fahrenheit. They held constantly last season and slowly creep up past 212 Fahrenheit, showing no sign of stopping even once the fan comes on and even having the high temp light come on after 20 minutes of riding last weekend. Along with the coolant flush, I've tested the thermostat in a pot of boiling water and it opens and closes at its appropriate temperature, although I'm not 100% sure it opens enough. While bleeding the coolant system, the coolant level drops at the radiator cap if I rev the engine, so the water pump seems to be working properly, and squeezing all the hoses disturbs the coolant in the radiator cap as well, leading me to believe they are free of blockages. Are these bikes susceptible to air in the system that I should be bleeding at multiple times, or am I looking at something more sinister like a blocked radiator? Thanks for the help, and hoping to hear your thoughts on the podcast tonight. All right. Uh, Coolant systems. Bagel, what do you you think on this? You probably have some experience with these. Well, um... I mean, I I think that that if now where we said there's a pinhole in the radiator, there was a pinhole in the connector pipe that connector he replaced. Pipe. So uh, I mean, I'll just jump in and say uh, you tested the um, the uh, what do we call it again? What's the thing that pops up? Thermostat. Thank you. You tested the thermostat properly. However, they're cheap. So let's yeah. start with replace that. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, you can also test that too by putting it in a pot of boiling water and yeah. see what temperature the, it opens. Well, that's what up. he did, but he's not sure it's opening all the way. Oh, I see. So he actually sent a picture, but I don't know what mm. all the way. Eh, it looks like it's opening enough. Um, yeah, it's pretty open. It's pretty clear to tell. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah it looks like open. it's opening, but again, cheap things replace. Yeah. Because maybe it's intermittent. We don't yeah. know, right? So sticking, you know. Mm-hmm. I have I have one note here. Um, you know the the note about hopefully it's not something sinister like a blocked radiator. It, the radiator is probably a little bit full of crap. If if the system looked yeah. like it had never been bled before, those passages yeah. are really small. So what you can do is uh, you can ask around at a local shop uh, that deals with you know vehicles with radiators and ask them if they can boil it out. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a thing shops can usually do for you. Basically, you know. They stick it in a pot of cleaner for a few hours um, and and flush it out better than you can flush it with just fresh coolant and maybe even a cleaning additive. So maybe call around a little bit, see if you can find somebody who will do that for you. Um, That should clear up your radiator if that's the problem. That's a good suggestion. Also, another thing, too, is that it may not be the radiator is blocked in inside the uh, the lines inside, 
but the cooling fins could be blocked. True. And that's one of the issues that I've been having with my Cannonball bike. And one of the things I'm dealing with uh, repairing right now is I'm putting new radi- ra- new radiators in there because the cooling fins are so clogged with bugs and road debris mm. and tar and things that they're just not cooling well. And, you know, there's there's not an easy way to, to clean those, so I'm just going to replace them. And I got a new set, and I'm going to put those in the next day or two. So I'll admit, I don't have that much experience um, troubleshooting radiator systems. I did it in my Jeep. I mean, it's the same, really. Yeah. Um, with all the things you're describing, though, the thing I don't, again, this doesn't come from a lot of experience, but the thing that keeps coming up in my head is air bubble in the system. To me, it seems like this is how it would act, that it's trying but not succeeding. Um, Because it's, 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 yeah, it's trying. Um, So, yes, there could be an air bubble, but I think that Callum's on to something, too. If it was that dirty, as you say, um, there's going to be other things that could be blocked partially. Um, or just working inefficiently. Mm-hmm. And that's what it seems like. So is the thermostat working inefficiently, not opening all the way? Maybe. Um, is the radiator full of bugs and gunk and working inefficiently? Maybe. There's a lot of things it can be. Could there be air in the system cre- preventing it from working efficiently? Yeah. But it's not that hard. I think you're onto something, though, Callum. Take the radiator off and take it to somebody who can flush it and boil it out, apparently. Yeah, I've been told that's the phrase. Uh, I never had it done, so I can only go so far on that recommendation. But it sounds like a good idea, frankly. And also, I know that uh, you can find other aftermarket radiators. Absolutely. It doesn't have to be exactly model-specific. If you can figure out how to bolt it on, it'll work. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Um, Callum, you have one to read I there. I do have one to read. All right. Let's hear your best best podcast voice. Oh, so we're doing podcast voice. <laughs> Maybe not that one. Uh, so this is from Adam Robinson. Hey, Adam. Uh, no, sorry. Robison. Oh, Robison. I, I stuck an extra N in there. I am Robeson. sorry. Uh, that's, ooh, mm, my brain it wants letters. Uh, all right. So Adam writes, uh, sup, misfits. Trash sup. panda hollering from sunny Taos again. <laughs> uh, still listening to you knuckleheads debate what the best bike is now for years. I put aside my collection of silver wings for a minute. Nice collection, by the way. Oh, nice. Um, to actually ride the one running bike in my pile, an 85 Sabre V45. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Uh, would love to hear y'all harp on the Sabre as it's not often mentioned bike. Uh, riding today, it, though. I think, is that the 16 valve? No, no, the Sabre is a V4. It's a, it's a VF engine oh. in a cruiser frame. They're sick. <laughs> um, and they apparently also didn't eat their top ends like I the thought, VFs did. I thought that they were a 16 valve system. Oh, sorry. Yes, there are 16 valves because there's four cylinders and it's double overhead cams. Yeah, 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 yeah. My brain went to more cylinders than than four yeah, yeah. for some reason there. Um, I'm bad at math. This is why I stick to electrons. Um, uh, sorry, getting back to your uh, email mm-hmm. here, Adam. 
writing today, though, to ask about emissions controls and taking off the multitude of hoses, cans mm-hmm. associated with them, especially the big one hanging on the frame behind the front tire. Mm-hmm. Pros, cons, issues, thoughts. Anyway, thanks for all the bullshitting and bantering. Last time I closed with fuck knock, but then I felt bad. <laughs> Winky face. Um, so the answer is yes. Yes. Um, this is actually an area I have a surprising amount of background knowledge in. And I'm actually going to say the answer is yes, but. Yes. Uh, in terms of, well, not fuck knock, um, taking, no. taking emissions controls off of a Ye- V4. Yes. Uh, that's where I have background knowledge. Because uh, I actually have an 86 VFR mm-hmm. that came to me with a lot of the 80s emissions controls still on it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want those, even though I live in California. Mm-hmm. Oops. Um, basically... A bunch of that stuff runs off vacuum, and when you have an open hole with vacuum on one side of it and open air on the other, that's called a vacuum leak, and those are bad. So you got to figure mm-hmm. out how to take all the vacuum-operated stuff off and not make vacuum leaks. There are these handy things called plugs, <laughs> which you can stick in holes that will stop leaks. Um, yeah, so basically the gist of it is all those hoses that you think are extraneous probably are. Mm-hmm. You can take them off and just cap the holes. And the, the silly thing is your bike will actually run better. Yes. Uh, old emissions control systems were mm-hmm. a bit jank. And they, they did their job, but most of it was there to capture evaporating fuel. So that big one behind the tire is your evap canister. It's probably full of charcoal that's disgusting at this point, and it's really not doing anything anymore anyway. So uh, pull that bad boy off. It's probably full of disgusting old fuel residue. So, you know, dispose of that properly. And then, um, yep, cap captain holes uh you will have a crankcase breather somewhere mm-hmm. that was probably feeding don't plug it into your airbox. don't plug that one you can actually go down to your local automotive store and mm-hmm. get a nice small uh filter with a barbed yep. end and a hose keep it real simple basically be a little pod filter that you mm-hmm. stick on your breather yep. um and so that'll mean your crankcase pressure vents out to open air through a little filter so you're being nice to the environment you're not killing polar bears and uh, and, and there just, are some one-way check valves you can use on those too yeah though i think that might be overkill but that's that's just my personal opinion yeah um anyway just check that filter every once in a while it will get oily um and you don't want it to be dripping on stuff so now the butt but um on these older bikes go to town absolutely but uh this is something that is quite controversial right now and relevant mm-hmm. in that uh, there are, th- do we call it threads? I don't know if it's threats. Talks of the government checking, because it's such a common thing. We know mm-hmm. people pull the canisters off. They put new pipes on. They do all yep. this. And there are dealerships that are starting to get slapped with heavy fines yeah. in places now. Mm-hmm. Um, the government is aware these things are happening, and they are coming down. It's first the exhaust companies are getting mm-hmm. slapped. Yes, you can buy an exhaust system that says for race only. I have one in the garage for my uh, Super Enduro that someone gave me. I'm not going to install because I don't need a louder, more power pipe because I'm not mm-hmm. racing. But it says on it, for race purposes, they're, they're privy to this. And what that means is um, they're going to start coming up with checks, maybe even like we have to smog check our mm-hmm. cars. 
in the future, we may be having to take our bikes in for inspections. Yeah. One note about that. Mm -hmm. Again, this is the yes, but on the older bike. Yeah. Uh, Smog checks. I don't know how many of you are familiar with this, uh, depending on where the audience is. Mm -hmm. But uh, they basically plug plug a device into your, your car's communication, the OBD2 port. And then the car actually tells them what's going on as they monitor stuff. There's a few sensors they place outside the vehicle, but mostly it's the car talking to their computer while Mm -hmm. you run the car. If your bike doesn't have an internal communication system, a.k.a. it's from the 1980s and basically has the granddaddy of all ECUs, they're not going to be able to do that, and they're not going to pay somebody to learn how to smog your bike. So 80s stuff absolutely oh, grandfathered 80s, out all I mean, this stuff. Now, because it doesn't yeah. happen oh, yeah, yeah, now yeah. yet, but it's coming. That's why I'm just yeah. get, letting people know. No, if, if your bike has a CAN bus network, like almost every mm-hmm. modern vehicle does, then yeah, stuff like this is going to be a concern. Um, so yeah. just, you know, if you're, if you're blocking off, uh, you know, air injection port plates and, uh, and other things in your exhaust, you know, you might, uh, you might just want to keep that in the back of your mind. But on an older bike, yeah, especially yeah, if you ahead. have that, that charcoal canister that who knows what, it, if it's still doing anything. It's probably full of crude napalm at this point. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and bagel, I mean, does that happen on the scooters too? Do you have the same thing? Oh yeah. Yeah. In fact, I, I, I still have the, the original, uh, evaporation system equipment on my, my cannonball bike, um, which will Honestly, probably should just come out because it's so <laughs> up at the point that it's not doing anything. So, yeah. And then a lot of people do just rip those off, you know, yeah. just as a rule because they don't like how it, it affects the performance of the bike and, and the adds weight and... No. Yeah, and the sad thing is, is the manufacturers have to put these on, and you know, you talk about like detuning a bike. A bike has a, a greater potential; it's engineered, but then the government has to make some restrict it to get past certain testing. And blah, 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 blah. anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, I rip it off, but be mm-hmm. aware on modern bikes that you might get caught. It, it might come back to bite you. It might yep. come back to bite you. So um, that's it. Yeah. I don't know if uh, if Adam is still listening at this point, but I just thought of one more thing for your mm-hmm. V forty five. Um, the fuel tank probably also has a vent line that went somewhere near the evap canister. That is potentially important for keeping pressure from building up in your tank. So you want to put yes. a filter on the end of that one. Don't cap that one. So funny yeah. story. Oh boy. And possibly a check valve too. On yeah, my versus. Um, I had somebody remove the system. Nice. And my bike started burping. Mm-hmm. And every now and then you'd be riding, and it'd be like, <laughs> like a little, <laughs> and the gas tank would kind of pop a little, like, what oh. is going on? <laughs> what is going on? Uh, yeah, I figured one of the things under the tank I vented. Um, in wrapping up, I wanted to share one more story from today, and Bagel, you'd get a laugh out of it. Um, yeah. uh, Davy the Marine came by today on his Harley. Really nice bike. And he said, so something in the front end is making a clinking sound. I'm like, what? Yeah, it's like a, like a loud, like a thump. That's, mm. that's not good. So we started doing the tests. Um, check the head, head bearing, uh, you know, the nut tight uh put it up on a jack and we're yanking the wheel to check the bearings and and everything didn't move 
Um, we checked all the triple bolts, like everything on the front end. I'm like, dude, are you sure it's not like your saddlebag, like something like smacking? He goes, no, it's coming from the front. So I hopped on the bike, took it down the street, just pulling out of the driveway. It goes, Kunk. I'm like, whoa, like, like a sharp, that's not a good sound. Right. Mm. I just managed to go about three doors down and, and I'm like, oh no, no, Mm-mm. I am going back. It sounds like something's about to fall off and we're just going through the bike couldn't like find it we're trying everything uh henry shows up he test rides it and he goes yeah it sounds like it's coming from the wheel the wheel Uh oh like what so we're trying we're again checking all the axles everything nothing is loose i'm like it doesn't make sense because that loud cracking that's resonating through the frame like something a spoke wheel or, or uh, these are spoke wheels. Yeah. Um, like something is moving enough, not like a little gurgur, like a crack, right. Yeah. Um, couldn't figure it out. Mikey three times shows up I'm like, Mike, go ride this bike. See if you can figure it out. He rides it and he comes back like, Oh yeah, that's, that's a bad sound. <laughs> and he just starts putting his hand all over the bike. He goes, found it. Motherfucker. Oh, what, yeah? What'd you find? Son of a... It was the gas tank. The oh. gas tank bolts <laughs> were loose. Ah. So the gas tank, which is mounted right, right. behind the fork tube. Right. Or, or behind the, yeah, head the tube. Right get, head tube. The was just going crack, crack uh, on the bolt. Clunk, 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 clunk. And he tightened it up, rode that home. He sent me a message that goes, oh, my God, my bike is so much better now. <laughs> so, obviously, the takeaway here is just get an electric bike, then you won't have a gas tank. Ugh, stop. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I'll lay off it. Stop. No. Uh, no. Just, just to be clear, I, I do enjoy gas bikes as well. Yeah. Yes, you do. No, it, I think the lesson is keep asking more people for their opinion. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then yeah, I went, I went to say, hey, Henry, at least my diagnosis was closer the wheel what were you thinking i i was gonna guess he had a gremlin bell dragging on the pavement but that that's just me it's so bizarre it was up there with uh, you haven't heard this one no. uh we tell this all the time doug had a drz 400 mm-hmm. and he's like every time i stand up the bike shuts off <laughs> what that doesn't make any sense I stand up, the bike shuts off. So he's looking under the seat as soon as, like, he mm-hmm. thinks that there's some wire under loose the seat. Loose battery or something. Yeah. A loose battery or something. He keeps taking the seat off, checking all the way, can't find it. And he's like, I'm telling you, every time I take the weight off the seat, the bike shuts off. What? And so I went and rode it. It didn't do it. I'm like, dude, what? The plot thickens. What? And he's like, what? Going through all the wiring, trying to figure it out. <laughs> we finally figured out that when he stood up, his heel of his boot was hitting the kickstand kill switch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it was just the way that his riding position rode. And his boots. And his yeah. boots just hit yeah. that little switch enough and it would shut oh, off. As soon as he'd sit down, his boot would lift off and the bike would start up again. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. yeah. Diagnosing is, is fun. Yeah. But you know what's more fun? Watching on any Sunday. Here we go. Full circle, yeah. people. That's so I know. Wrapping up the show, I want to remind everyone to go to on any Sunday fiftieth dot com. Bagel's already signed up. I'm signed up. 
bring this yep. movie to your town. I love, like I said, what Todd has done is figured out this this system that they do all the work for you, really, right? They yeah. they're already connected with the theaters. I mean, you have to put the word out. But if you have friends in the motorcycle community, this everyone knows this movie. Will love this movie. It's going to be one of the best local motorcycle parties you can have. Um, yeah. I'm just thinking, like, I wonder how much it would cost to get Mert down here. Wouldn't that be cool? Hmm. Hmm. That would be cool. I know, right? Or we could get yeah. oh, we could get Jim Rice. He likes us. Ooh. Ooh. I don't know. We're going to do, I'm going to do something fun. I I can't wait. Um, Intriguing. mm, I know. Um, Callum, thank you for being a stunt misfit tonight. Well, thanks for having me. It's been fun. I know. And just remember, if you don't go see on any Sunday, we will find you just like we found those BMX kids. Yeah, and then and Bagel. Now you have so on any Sunday two, which I think is I think it's a bad movie. That's what I recall. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like. Uh, but um, next chapter is the one that came out, um, yeah. and I think that's how we discovered Tony Guerra, the oh, wow. Baja One Thousand winner who lives yeah. up the street. Oh, because right? he's featured in it. Damn. Oh, wow. And I cool. ran into friends like, you know, he lives here. I'm like, what? I'm right. sorry, but what? Yeah. So on any Sunday, next chapter is a pretty cool movie, too. You can check that out. Um, Bagel, have yeah. a safe trip. Thanks. Well, I'll be I'll be here next Sunday, so I will I will be on one once, once more before I go. I I just want it to come faster. I want to be there. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's been a long time coming. Yeah, I hope people are going to come out and look for us. Um, and yeah. as I already uh, told Todd, uh, yeah, just look for us by the burnout <laughs> corner. <laughs> burnout pit. <laughs> just let your nose guide you. Pretty <laughs> much. Pretty look much. Look for the tire smoke. And I hope we have people come out for our live podcast with Cleveland Moto. It's always a fun time when we get together. Um, On that note, I think we're ready to wrap up. Big thanks, as usual, to our Patreon subscribers. We had a new one this week. Yes, I'm so excited. Thanks for for supporting us. And um, go to MotorcyclesAndMisfits.com, and you can find all our back episodes and pictures of who we are and what we look like so that you can uh, hunt bagel down at, <laughs> at the AMA Vintage Days. Just yes. the ginger on the scooter. <laughs> you can't miss me. Bagel, <laughs> will you still have your mud flap? Uh, well, it's a bit shorter now. Okay, yeah. The, yeah he, I've, I've gotten a haircut since then. The luscious locks. But, but it's still, it's still a, little, a little luscious. You got a mud long. flap, dude. A little bit. It's mini flap. Party in the rear, dude. Party in the rear. Party on guard. Little party. <laughs> awesome. So thanks everyone for listening. So Callum, here's what's gonna happen. Uh oh. I'm gonna thank everyone again, and I'm gonna say my name, and you're gonna say your name, and then Bagel will say say his name, and that's how people know that we are done. And then we say a thing at the end. Oh. I'm not gonna tell you what it is. This is, this is where I get outed for having not listened to the podcast yep. before. Yep, Uh-oh. exactly. Yes. There we go. Thanks, everyone. This is Liza. And Callum. Bagel. And we are out of here. Cool, cool.
Solo, cool, cool. We're done. Peace.